Hey everybody, you're listening to the We Are Rising podcast. Your source for all things related to Ryzen. News, interviews, reviews of fights, etc., etc. This is your host, Andrew Benjamin. And I'm joined once again by Jay Christian Gary from Focus Fights. Howdy, how are y'all? And we, <laughs> we got two other guests with us to cover the Ryzen 14 show, which will be on New Year's Eve. Uh, first off, I'd like to introduce Teep to the Junk. Uh... Teep, are you there? I'm here. Thanks for having me, fellas. Uh, and Joseph... And need I forget to mention before you keep going, Andrew, that he is also a member of Focus Fights. Oh, yes. Excuse me. Yes. Also a member of Focus Fights, Teep to the Junk. And also with us, Joseph Matos. Joseph, you there? Hey, yeah. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Uh, well, first off, Teep, uh, I'd like you to, uh, just introduce yourself, tell us a little about, a little bit about yourself, and, uh, how long you've been watching Ryzen. Oh, well, I watched the first show, cause, um, I'm kinda like a Strike Force Never Die type, so as soon as Coker took over in Bellator, I've been following them like a laser, and, um, he was the one who hinted that, uh, that they were gonna come back, they were gonna reform some version of Pride, when they talk about Fedor, who he was going to fight for, and he was like, "Well, we're not really, we didn't really bid because we think he's going to be in Japan," and that, that's that's what happened. So I've been following from the start, but I'm a bit thick. I'm doing my best to follow everything that's happening. I hear there's a lot more shows uh, next year. It's going to be brutal on my tiny brain. <laughs> but also, we're having a there's a lot of fighters who are have a connection to Bellator uh, at this year's Rising Card uh, for New Year's Eve. So that is definitely why your your input will be. Very, very much helpful when, you know, talking about the fighters that are that are from Bellator who have fought for Bellator. Um, Absolutely. I'm, I'm otherwise useless. <laughs> uh, but also, just uh, your, your Twitter name, I probably, I feel like you get a lot of questions about your Twitter name. Do you want to explain the background of, of it? I mean, kick to the balls. It's like very effective technique. That's all I'll say. <laughs> and, uh, There's Joe... no rules in a street fight. And Joseph, uh, can you just tell us a little bit about, about yourself and uh, uh, your MMA fandom? Uh, yeah, um, when, I, when I, I first got into MMA when I was a lot younger, during the, uh, the old UFC time, I kind of, then after that, I kind of fell out, out, fell out of it. You know, I got into Pride, um, like, mid, like, I guess, like, midway or late into the scene, and then been out of it again. Um, and then got into Rising during the 2016 um, Openweight Grand Prix, and pretty much have stuck with Ryzen as one of the main MMA organizations I mainly watch. Um, primarily, I mainly also you know just follow wrestling. Mm-hmm. And if, if there's anything that, that you pride Ryzen pro wrestling, they are all distant cousins of one another. Oh, yeah. definitely. And um, indeed, uh, we have many things to talk about um, related to the Ryzen 14 show, but the first thing uh, I would like to talk about is the, I guess, lack of international distribution for Ryzen 14 as of now, 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on December 22nd. And I'm always willing to give Ryzen the benefit of the doubt when things, with things like this. Or just in... I understand that rising that international distribution is a very complicated matter. It absolutely uh-huh. is. Um, the issue yeah, you I know, are you we're not is you know we're not TV staff. Oh, exactly. <laughs> it ain't as easy as it looks. Exactly. But my issue with this whole 
Ryzen 14 thing is why it's, once, why it's so important to me right now. Why it's the first thing I want to talk about is because I, I can't believe it's almost a full, almost one week, a one full week to when the show is, and we have no idea how people can access, access the show outside of Japan. Um, usually they, they, they have their shows on, on fights. But I, but that's not hap- That's as of now. That is not happening. We, it, there's no word on even if it's even going to be on fights. And my issue is it's just the lack of not knowing where it's going to be. The price doesn't matter at this point. We all know it's Floyd Mayweather. Things are more more pricey when he's involved. So I kind of get. I kind of would expect that. But not knowing how I can watch it to me is something incredibly egregious. That. Well, I, there are, I, the most the question I've been asked most on Twitter uh, for Rise of Fourteen is how can I watch the show? And by Same this here, point, man. I'm trying to post. I'm sorry, what was that, Teep? I'm saying, yeah, I'm trying to post stuff about Takata's butt cheeks and and people who are pestering me <laughs> about the broadcast. Like I know, I don't know, I don't know anything. And meanwhile, when it comes down to me, I've been posting like updates when it comes down to the event through the Focus Fights Twitter account at Focus Fights, by the way. Basically documenting what the hell is going on. I, I just I just feel like this, not knowing anything is what is the issue with me. If they if they would say at least, you know, it's going to be on fight, we're just, but right now we don't have a price or any, uh, uh, right now at this point, I'm fine with that. It's just, and I'm also thinking about the other fans as well. Who you know? If let's just say if there is no international distribution, you know, yeah, this is on. This is going to be on December thirty first. So December thirtieth going to thirty first. If I if I'm correct in doing my um, mm-hmm. time my time zone. It's going right. to start in the prime time hours of the U.S. on December thirtieth, and it's going to end probably at like about eight or nine a.m. <coughs> standard time in North America. So people have to make plans in advance. They got a call of work. They gotta say, "Hey, I can't come into work because I'm gonna be, um, I have to take care of something." When in reality, they're gonna be staying up from two a.m. to about seven or eight a.m. to watch a Japanese MMA show. If they, if there's, if they are, do not know, if this show doesn't even bother, isn't it going to be shown in America? Then they're taking off a day that they expect to watch the show, and it's not even gonna happen. I think that's that's inc- not knowing anything is the, is the is the crime in my. In my opinion, and whether and it's also, uh, and also, there's something been weird going on in Fight, and somebody actually brought up that Fight actually took off a couple of MMA events from December 18th all the way to, to mid January. Oh, oh yeah, I heard about that. I heard. About, were they, were they uh, um, American, European, Japanese, or they just? To be honest, to be honest, I don't know. And the only Japanese um, MMA promotion on there is Rise. Um, they used to do Fight Nights Global, but they moved to the Zone. Yeah. Hey, you know, even, even you know, even if there, even if it's something with the zone that they're trying to work out with, I just want to know something at this point. And if, that's what I'm hoping. Go with the with the zone. Can you imagine the money team, uh, the you know, the inheritors of Pride, like the new Pride and Bellator, all all come, kind of co promoting this craziness? That would be just magical. Oh, that'd be great. Well, yeah, think well, about it was- on that particular platform, D-A-Z-N is the way how to spell it. The zone is the way how to pronounce it. It is kind of ironic because Fight Nights Global and Rosie and Bellator are all on the zone. So, 
it would make a lot of sense for Bellator to be a part of it because, of course, all four of them, they're partner promotions. But I feel like... And also, if you go on the, uh, you know, Ryzen's Wikipedia, they actually, you actually... Have you seen the list of every promotion in Japan and everywhere else that's that's allied with Ryzen? Yep. I think there's 14 of them in the Federation right now. Yes, like like literally fourteen. One, but there's yeah, there's like there. It's beautiful. It's a stronger structure. You know, have a small exclusive roster of domestic notables. You know, and and special foreign notables, and then and then talent share. Like they like croak up for the February card that I'm gonna absolutely live the dream and go see live the Mohegan Sun. Yeah. You know, there was something I saw on Twitter earlier. Uh, Gabby did put a tweet earlier about um, Sakia Barra and them, I think, at a Bellator press conference, I think, earlier. Oh, today? Yeah. Yeah, but the thing was, when it came down to the picture that Gabby posted, I think it was from back in 2015 when this whole thing started. Yeah. Well, she didn't really specify if that was, like, a current thing or if that happened in 2015. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but when it comes down to that photo that was from 2015, that was basically the seed that planted everything, even though when Ryzen first started, their first two events were basically put on a complication, I mean, a compilation of highlights on the Paramount Network, which back then was known as Fight TV, and the only clear way to watch both events live back then was through a pretty shitty Russian stream. <laughs> hey, man, you gotta do what you gotta do, right? Um, <laughs> but I want to pose a question. It, um, and I know, Joseph, you had some thoughts about, as well about the um, about this whole international distribution thing. Are we... Am I and others, are we uh, maybe panicking too much over this? Are we thinking about it yeah, too much? In my opinion, yes. I feel like everybody's acting way too crazy and way too irrational. Like they're literally thinking about taking their lives if this, uh, if there, if there's no international. Thing. That's how uh, levels of irrationality people have been going. Like, if, I, like if they, if there's no international thing, I'm not gonna cry about it. There's like I can just do something else. But you know, people just need like Tetsuya like Naito would say, tranquilo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to banish, if, if that's the case, I think it's unlikely. I think they're just haggling for money in the back, you know? Trying to get the best deal or figuring if it's going to be TV or pay-per-view streaming or both. But, but should... uh, I, hope, you know, I hope it goes on zone because I'm already paying for that subscription. I'd, I'd love to add some more. Rising on there, I'd be all set. But should something I like do... a, a major... But I do have a theory, though. Oh, go ahead, Joseph. I know, yeah, uh, tell us your theory. All right, I spoke with Gary about this. I'm, I want to know what you guys think. I think there might be a TV distribution situation issue because if Giao, Sky Perfect, and Fuji TV, they're airing the entire show for both, right? What I'm thinking is that what if they, all three of them, yeah, like what if they own the TV rights um, for the TV rights to Ryzen 14? This has happened in the past. You know, certain TV groups will actually own the, the footage of, you know, for either a wrestling event or an MMA event. Right, where they'll go ahead and they'll just be like, well, this, we're, the whole reason we're giving you all this money is so that we're the only place people can see it. Because I guess if there's international stream, then someone's going to restream it and then they'll lose ratings, maybe? Yeah, because remember, the ratings is actually going to be the very important thing, especially on New Year's for every TV company in Japan. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, that's where, you know, the most of that money is going to be uh, coming from, from the ratings. 
And with Fuji TV and Giao, there's only one language they speak, and that's ratings. And if it don't make ratings, it don't make sense. See, the, the one thing I disagree with, though, is this is, as far as I can recall, this has never been an issue that's come up regarding international distribution. There's been, we've all, there's, we've always known it's going to be on Fight or it's going to be on the Psy Games uh, website. I think this is a Floyd Mayweather issue above anything else. Particularly. Yeah, he probably just wants to get it, you know, he's, he's it's, there's a lot of ego there about how much he makes. And so he just wants to know what, how much is there and how much of it he can take. Because that's how he does. That's how he made all that money. I, I can't, like I, I can't like, what? it just, it, it makes, it, I, th- this has never happened before until Floyd has been on on the card. And so I have to believe that it that it's not a coincidence. Floyd's on a card and there's and there's issues uh, since the beginning, ever since he was announced for the card. I think this is just another one of the many issues that that have come up that, that Floyd just you know, the trouble that, that always seems to follow him. Um, in some way. Do you think do you think it's possible? Hey, do you think it's possible that behind the scenes, I, I'm not saying I think this, but do you think it's possible behind the scenes he doesn't want his Western fans to see it that easily in case it goes wrong? Like, he's, like, maintaining that line, like, oh, this was going to be a private thing, you know, as, as absurd it's, as that was. But, I, uh, that's an interesting theory, and I actually thought about that. Uh, I can't believe that if it is, then I, I would be even I would be even more mad at that Ryzen went with Floyd. Uh, um... Has anyone forgotten what happened in Pride with the Gracies, where they pretty where, where they pretty much had a lot of power over Pride at the time, what, during the Sakuraba fight? Oh yeah, but that was that yeah, was yeah. But they still got their ass embarrassed when Sakuraba beat them. Uh, yeah, but you know they were like throwing their weed around trying to bully them. Yeah, oh well, yeah, that, that was a huge that, wig. Yeah, that 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 was that was more about the fight itself. That was never about in, the distribution of the fight being. Uh, transmitted um, internationally or domestically, I don't believe. Was it, Christian? Do you know anything about that? Did that did they have any effect on the um, on how the fight would be seen uh, by audiences? Uh, to be quite honest, no, because it was still shown on pay per view here in North America. That's what I thought. Um, but yeah, that's the you know that's the thing is that I'm just. I just don't see like by now. I feel like we should know something about how it's at least going to be aired. This this and there are people, who, and that's the thing. People want to see the show here. They want to pay to see the show because they're generally interested. And then also the other issue is oh, yeah. you had all those people that were talking about Ryzen as soon as Floyd Mayweather is uh, is announced. And now you know you if you want if you want to still get those eyes. You're gonna start slowly losing them and losing them when people don't know how to watch it. That aren't the hardcore fans like us who who are gonna tune in, you know, no matter what. You know, the the casual Floyd fans. I don't even think they I, they probably have forgotten about the fight. As far as I know, there's been no promotion of it outside of just a few articles, uh, and I haven't seen any commercials, you know, or anything like. Actually. Uh... Actually, there was a small event that happened earlier in the month at, at the May, at one of the Mayweather camps. Oh, yes. Few, oh, yes. Yes, few, you're it right. Was, it, it was covered. Work out, yeah. Is that the one where the, uh, where the, uh, the journalist, she asked him about uh, why it's not a kickboxing fight? Was that? Yes. Uh, okay. That one, because Saki Ibarra and them were there. Okay, yes, yes, yes. Um, so, yeah, so it was covered and uh, talked about. 
And I think that will probably right. be on he, the next last Yes, yes, now, now, okay, that's all coming back, that's all coming back now. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm just, I just, I'm just. I mean, Shingo, I know, I mean, Shingo has been saying that there might, there will, there probably will be something. Um, but I think that the distribution problem with, what I'm thinking with maybe with Giao Sky Perfect and Fuji, I mean, I could be wrong, I'm hoping I'm wrong, but I have a feeling, because when was Sky Perfect with, uh, Ryzen? Um, probably since the beginning. When it came down to this, probably since December of 2015. Well, I haven't seen like, it, and I can't really... Well, Sky Perfect, if I remember, Sky Perfect Member is the pay-per-view company, one of the pay-per-view companies in Japan. That they are, and they were mostly responsible for putting promotions like Pride and FMW on the air. Well, the FMW thing was actually not a whim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of um, course. <laughs> do you guys think it's possible? It's it's a calculated timing with so much going on in the sport these days. They're just waiting till the last minute, so it, it grabs the headlines right before. The event. I think that's really that stupid. If that's your plan, I think that is incredibly well, you know, stupid. You know, Christmas is coming up. Oh, Here we God. go. Big old Christmas gift from from Santa Takata. Well, here's the thing. Well, like, <laughs> I, I just like you know the last time Floyd had a, a uh, his last fight was a Conor Fring. Was was him and Connor, and that was announced. Everything was announced a month before the actual fight. You know where, where you, how you could see it, sure. how much it could be, how much it, it could cost, uh, and even though Showtime still got shot on for how that fight turned about. Oh yes, yeah. Um, it's just yeah. Let me ask you guys about that fight real quick, the Floyd Connor fight. I mean, how obvious was it? He fucking carried him in that fight. We swear on this thing, right? Shit, that was very obvious. <laughs> I mean, I mean, hell, I mean, hell, he was walking his punches, man. He was doing the Hulk Hogan no sell. I was expecting him to do the Hulk Hogan no sell. I think as I mean, soon as uh, never gotten near it, so he was like, "I'm gonna, pl- I'm gonna do this like a movie script." Because remember, it was maybe after the sixth round, he like grins at the camera from the corner. He gives that big cheesy smile. He's like, "You guys are suckers." He thought this kid could beat me, you know? Because he's like. He's not fighting like him, really, especially when you think about it, he's a little bit older. He's like, I could have played the safe, but I'm just, I'm just, I'm just working this up for you guys. I'm carrying this kid. I, as soon as uh, Connor uh, gave those, um, he ain't carrying tension. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. No, I mean he's got a lot of size on tension, so that, that's. But he's not going to have. He has smoothness, but he may not. It's very unlikely he's faster than Tension. That's that little guy. Yeah, like a I, I think Tension might have have the advantage, you know, because remember he did do Kyokushin karate when he was younger, and you know then he adapted that into kickboxing, so he could strike from angles that a regular boxer wouldn't be able to with the, the defending. Um, actually, I just and want I, I, I just oh. want to go back quickly to some uh, to who brought up the uh, what Shingo, who's the uh, matchmaker for uh, Ryzen. He said that it uh, what, what was it that he said that it's that's being worked on or that's being announced. Or it's going to be announced or something like that? Sure, that they were going to announce something. It's just that I just don't know when. And there might be maybe issues about that. That going behind the scenes. It's got to be a money thing. Because if Floyd wanted it announced already, he's the A-side. Well, he's, he's Mr. Money, you know. So if he wanted it out, it would be out. It's, it's probably on him somehow if it's not a TV structural issue, you know, a distribution rights issue. I don't. I don't even think it is a, 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 a the uh, Fuji or Gaio Sky Perfect issue. I don't, I don't. 
they don't think they care anything about the international side because the Japanese people aren't going to be watching it through the way that we watch it. They're going to be watching it through Fuji TV, Gaio, or Sky Perfect. I don't see how they would have any. I, I gotta believe it's a Floyd. That's why I believe it's a Floyd thing, in my opinion. That he's doing, he's doing something. I don't know. They're setting up something with Showtime or pay per view at this point. I have no idea. It's you know, I just I'm being left in the dark, and I don't like. There, there, there's no, there's there's nothing right now. There's nothing right now. There's there's no not even like a hint of like oh it'll be on fight or it'll be on Showtime. We're just working out the kinks. There's nothing right now, and I just I can't believe almost one week before the show and. There's nothing. There's absolutely nothing. Watch this be talked about on rights and confessions. Oh, you mean they'll? they'll be... <laughs> oh, you mean? Well, if you think about it, there could be something up with this because I think Mayweather's ring announcer, Rambling Ralph Valles of Phoenix, Arizona. He's been posting mad shit about this, and he's saying that he's gonna go over to Japan to represent Mayweather Promotions in the main event. Could there be something that we don't know about that? You, were you, I was thinking, he like... on the mic for just his fight? No, he's just going to do... He's just going to carry the mic for the main event, pretty much. Uh, he posted some long-ass Instagram post, like, a few days ago. I did retweet that, by the way, before he deleted it. Mm. Of him saying that he was happy to be a part of it, and he's happy to get a chance to work with Lenny Hart, the screaming pride slash dream slash rising lady. He wants to Let- or something. Yeah, pretty much. Here's here's the question I have, and I'm curious to know what everybody oh, thinks. Oh, sorry, sorry, people. What was that? I don't. They don't. Sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say. Um, do you think that if it does get any distribution in America, will it be truncated? Like, will there only be five five fights in the card? Or maybe even just Mayweather's match being distributed? Or maybe every match but Mayweather's? Do you think there's anything of that sort that could potentially happen as well? Holy shit, I hope not. Because if they, if they do end up putting, like, one match on the card, we're all going to get fucked over. Maybe they're going to do a separate... Maybe they're trying to haggle Floyd's like, I want to do my own pay-per-view for just that one fight. You know, and then you can do whatever with the others. Maybe there's something like that going on, some little dynamic in the back. You think maybe we might be getting a VOD? Say again? A video on demand? I don't know. Because uh, uh, oh, people have been asking uh, Joe Ferrara, too, and he don't know either. Because he hasn't been sent, he said he hasn't been sent any itineraries. That's so fucked up. Not even the, not even the English announcers. Not, that's so. It's just so bizarre. It's it. It makes. I can't. I. It's, I, it's, I, I, I just. I can't believe that there's like that. It seems like nobody knows. I don't, maybe even Ryzen doesn't even know at this point. That's, well, I, you, know, Joe, you know, Joe and Frank, you know, they don't know. And Joe said on, you know, on the Fightful like, MMA that Ryzen would normally send them itineraries in advance. And you, and especially because, you know... True, but... Sorry, go ahead, Christian. I mean, true, but this is like nine days out before the event. If this were true about him getting sent itineraries... He would have been already booking a flight for him and Frank Trigg to come out to Japan already. 
No, actually, Gary, he said this earlier in the month. Uh, not th- not in this. He wasn't on. He wasn't on this week. Oh damn, that sucks. Yeah, that's rough. It, uh, you know, I, I, I think we've discussed this uh, quite in depth. I don't know. Does anybody else want to say anything that they think is important about this thing? Or I don't know what else there is this to discuss. Is more, this, is more, this is more secretive than a finish to a Brock Lesnar match. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. But when it comes down to it, the only thing I can say about it is I hope they come up with something soon. Because if not, a whole lot of people are going to feel fucked over. And not just those in Japan okay. either. Like, believe in base Takata. Everyone calm down. Yeah, man. The drum's going to bang. The butt cheeks are coming out. It's going to happen. You know, we'll find a way to watch. Someone, someone, if they if they really do lock it down, someone will be filming that shit from the crowd, streaming it. But, it's, you know, it sucks that, you know, you can't watch, if there's no way to watch it legally, you know, give them the money that they that they that deserve for putting on a car like this. It's, it's almost, it feels criminal that, that, that they're almost... That they're deliber- it's deliberately or or un- unconsciously getting uh, closing off the international audience. Does Fuji does Fuji TV have an app? Uh I'm not sure, Christian. Do you know that if they have an app, Fuji TV? To be honest, I don't even know. I just don't know. I have um I have a friend. He has one of some like box or something that he can like intercept uh channels from uh Japanese satellite so he's got like a whole bunch of cha- uh Japanese channels like Samurai TV, Asai TV, probably Fuji TV as well on this on this like hot, on this box. I forgot what it's called, but uh yeah, Samurai yeah, Samurai TV, the uh the sports center for wrestling. Mhm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Oh, I'm not making that up. Fuji <laughs> the Indies have like their own shows. <laughs> Um, yeah, that they do. But, um, you know, uh, I'm glad that everybody got their say in, but enough about how to watch the show. Hopefully that will be, that will be figured out by the time this podcast is, is up and, uh, ready to listen. We're going to actually talk about Ryzen, the cards Yay. now. Yay. <laughs> but we're not going to talk about Ryzen 14 first. We're going to talk to, about the prelude to Ryzen. And Christian, you want to you wanna take it from here? Um, yes, let me go ahead and get the damn link up. But yes, do any of you guys remember that clusterfuck of an event called Yaranoka that was back in 2007? Yep. Off the, I mean, off the fall of Pride FC? Yep. Who was, who was on that? Oh, just a few names that you would probably know. Marillo Bustamante, Gilbert Melendez, and obviously Fedor Emelianenko choking out Hong Man Choi. Oh, I love that's my favorite fight. That's actually <laughs> my favorite fight. I think it's like the greatest. It has did Hong Man Choi put up a fight? Uh, he, he did. Through a lead hook. Wait, uh, Christian. Chris, I'm sorry to correct him. What, what, did he choke him out or did he uh, armbar him? Oh, fuck me! He did armbar him. You know, it's so yeah, funny that you that you uh, te- it's so funny that you brought up that that's your favorite fight. Um, when I was talking with Justin Scoggins, he said that was his favorite fight as well from uh, from Japanese MMA. Man, I guess nobody. 
I guess nobody likes Fedor versus uh, Kazuyuki Fujita. <laughs> that was a great fight. But uh, I'm telling you, man, the, the Hongman Choi fight, because he's given up like 130 pounds, right? And like over a foot in height. It's just a, two different sized people. It'd be like be like Mighty Mouse fighting Luke Rockhold or some shit, except if Luke Rockhold was just a kickboxer. True, true, uh, true. It's no for that fight, but Hongman had a win over Sammy Schultz. I mean, you and if you look at the list of people who beat Sammy Schultz in his, in his kickboxing career, it's very short. He's in an exclusive club there, just based on being huge. But, of course, Schultz did that himself. He was big as shit. Mm-hmm. So, and, but I love that fight. He, got, he tried the body lock, and he fell on him, tried the arm bar, got up, almost got pounded out, you know, just barely missed by inches. And then he got up. He was like marked up. Another body lock, falling on, arm bar. It was just sweetness. Yeah. Too bad we never got the classic of Fedor versus... The Beast, Bob Sapp. Oh, that would have been a fucking crazy-ass fight for sure. But when it comes down to... Soccer kicks. Good night, Sapp. When it comes down to Yaranoka, we all know the 2007 event had plenty of crazy moments and plenty of legendary stars to go about. But... For the first time in 11 years, and I think it was announced a few weeks ago, originally, Ryzen has put out another yarn. I mean, Ryzen has put out a card as the prelude to Ryzen 14 that's going to basically be, you know, as they say, the last event of the Heisei era, which is now called Ryzen Heisei slash Yarnoka, which is going to take place at least at the end, I mean, which is going to take place in the morning in Japan on New Year's Eve, but it's going to take place here in the States at 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific, even though we don't know who's going to be streaming the event, and obviously it's going to be streaming in Japan, you know, in Kiao, Sky Perfect, and, and uh, Fuji TV, if I'm not mistaken. Now, there are seven battles. Hey, you're breaking up a bit, bro. This card ranging from weird, as in a Japanese idol versus a J-pop singer. <clears throat> I pay money to that. A couple of rematches. Ah, uh, damn it. Christian, you there? Did he get lost in translation? <laughs> well, while, while he, uh, Christian? Did the, Uf- did the UFC put an anti-block on him? You got seven fights, <laughs> each more weird than you. Kanaka now, uh, shit, 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 what did I say? You got seven fights on this card. Yeah. JC, your audio is terrible, bro. Yeah. I got a feeling not. Hold on, Christian, Christian, I'll, I'll, let me, uh, let me take over here. Uh, uh um, um, just a little bit. I'll, I'll give a little bit of background on on Hes on the Heisei as the Japanese say. So Heisei, does anybody? Everybody knows that Japan is ruled by an emperor, right? Yeah, yeah. So when the current emperor Akihito took over uh, from the previous emperor, they deemed this they whatever. I forgot what that era was. I think that may have been the Showa era. When the new emperor took over, it is now the Heisei era. And so, 
the 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 emperor, the current emperor, is now going to ab- abdicate on going to abdicate the throne uh, next year. Uh, um and uh, oh, Christian, you're back. Hello. Oh, can y'all hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, can I can hear you. No. Well, before you go on, Christian, I'm just explaining. I'm just going to explain what the what Heisei means. So, uh, yeah, as I was saying, yeah. the Heisei. Uh, yeah, I'm back. The, but what I was basically trying to explain was. Uh, we lost him again. Man, what man? Friggin' one FC is trying to take us. One championship is trying to take us out. I know. Um. One is like, we're expanding, damn it. We're taking out Ryzen. (laughs) Okay, it seems I'm back on. Oh, good. But what I was basically trying to say before my connection kissed, I mean, before my connection fucked out on me, is that there are seven fights on this card, each one more weirder than the last. Uh, And my connection is fucking up again. No, we can hear you. Uh, oh, okay, but yeah, still. Point of the matter is, seven fights on the card, each one more weirder than the last. The rules are going to be a hell of a lot more different than the first Yarnoka card, which was a complete clusterfuck. But the only three fights, I mean, if you think about it, the only three or four fights that are going to be at least a little bit interesting are a 150-pound catchweight bout between Lion Takeshi Inoue, Shudo legend, versus Miku Asakura. Two rematches in the women's flyweight division, Kana Watanabe versus Shizuka Marcella, Shiyan Sugiyama, who is originally from New York City, now residing in Tokyo, Japan. And another rematch, 134-pound contest, Jae-hoon Moon versus Kai Asakura. But the match that everybody, I think, is going to be caring the most about, and it's crazy because... One of these competitors was on the first Yarnoka card back in 2007. And obviously made a hell of a lot of a good career after that. Tatsuya Crusher Kawajiri, 36-12-2 versus Satoru Kitaoka, 41-18-9. Now before I basically tell, I mean before I ask you guys who you got in this fight... Let me go ahead and explain the particulars on these two competitors. Tatsuya Crusher Kawajiri, age 45, 7'145", with a 69-inch reach. Originally, no, fighting out of Inashiki, Ibaraki, Japan, representing T-Blood. He has been fighting since, if I'm not mistaken, since the year 2000. His opponent, Satoru Kitaoka, the former deep lightweight champion of the world. 5'6", 165.3, age 38, born February 4th, 1980, fighting out of Shinjuku, Indo, Tokyo, Japan, representing Lotus. He has been fighting more often than not since the year 2000, since Halloween 2000. But both of these guys are well-decorated competitors. Who do you think is going to win this bout? Before I answer that question... I just want uh, I, before uh, we lost you, I was explaining what what the the significance of the of of the end of the Heisei era, Heisei era of Japan. Okay. So, so I just want to finish. Can you at least explain to me in brief detail because I kind of lost out. A okay. Little bit. So basically, when the new emperor took over Japan, uh, Akihito, 
um, from the previous emperor, his father, uh, they de they deemed the, that the Heisei era with the current emperor. I think the previous era before that was the Showa era. So you sometimes hear like when people say like talk about Godzilla films, oh that's a Showa Godzilla, that's a Heisei Godzilla. That's what they mean uh, when they're referring to the um, to uh, when they say those terms. So right now we're in the Heisei era, and the new the emperor currently Akihito um, is going to abdicate next year. So that's why they're saying that this is the last of the Heisei era. Because this will be, by the time this show goes up, there will be, um, the Emperor will be uh, abdicating by next year. Okay, I can understand that. And uh, also, I consulted with my friends in Japanese what Yare Noka means. And they say it means do it. Or it can also mean like a way, uh, as a way to like say, let's fight. Or go for it. Yeah, basically, yeah. Um, but in answer to your question, uh, uh, the thoughts about this, uh, main event, uh, now this is supposed to be a lightweight, right? Um, yes, 154 pounds, or about 70 kilos. How long has it been since Kawajiri had a fight at 155? Um, to be I mean, to be honest, it's been a while since Kawajiri fought at one. Four, I mean, at one fifty-five. Most of his fights more recently have been at one forty-five. So uh, it's been a long time since he's actually fought at at one fifty-five. Is what you're saying? Yes, it's basically been a long time since he fought at lightweight. And the last, whereas Kito, on the other hand, has excelled at lightweight. And right now, uh, they are both on uh, on a. Two or three, uh, I think they're both on a two-fight losing streak, right? Well, actually, Kawajiri is on a one-fight losing streak. I think Kitaoka is on a two-fight oh, losing streak. that's it. Yes, 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 okay. Yes, because Kawajiri yeah, is... Because if, you, if you remember correctly, Andrew, obviously Kawajiri got knocked the fuck out by Gabriel Santana <coughs> at the 2015, I mean, at the 2017 Rise and Fall event. Yes. And, uh, and obviously he holds a one and two record prize and with his only win coming against Anthony Burchak and his first loss coming against now UFC competitor Heisman. Uh but uh so and uh so right now they're both they're they're they aren't in, at the at at the high particularly Kyle Jiri is not at the at the uh he's not doing too well in his MMA career and uh Talking about the Rising Confessions videos, did anybody see the Kawajiri Kitawoka segment for the Rising Confessions video? Um, I didn't catch that one. What happened in that one? Um, basically, Kawajiri was was contemplating retirement. Um, depending on, I guess, how this fight goes, and I don't know if anybody has ever watched Kitawoka in these videos, but he's a fucking weirdo. Just the shitty that he says. Uh, uh, no shit. What what are some of the shit that he has said, uh, Christian? Do you happen to uh, know off the top of your head of, of like weird shit that he just says? Uh, to be honest, no, but I do remember him like talking to a stuffed animal that was voiced by somebody that had his voice just. Uh, what am I trying to say? He was basically talking to a fucking stuffed animal. And oh, by the way, Kawajiri's last fight at lightweight was back on July 16, 2011 at Dream Fight for Japan 2 when he knocked out Drew Flickett. I mean, Drew Fickett, the Knight Rider. 
So that's a long time to be to not be fighting at a close to his probably his walk around weight, and he's going up against a guy who has fought at one seventy, uh, but mostly fights at one fifty five in Kitaoka. Um, yeah, but still, Kitaoka is a pretty weird specimen. But I mean, do you think that weirdness probably plays to his advantage? Oh yes, because people rem- always look at whenever they see him come out and make the weird ass faces when he walks out, and he's oh, that guy. I know what you mean. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Um, he's a uh, he's a yeah. He I don't know how to describe. Him. He's like he's like a Frankenstein. He looks like looks like a Frankenstein's monster that's been put. put to you this way, Andrew. He's like a walking, talking Ganguro boy. <laughs> a Ganguro boy? What's that? Uh, uh, you know what? It's too complicated for me to even talk about. To- talk about this to you. Let me just tell you right now that I'm pretty sure he loves tanning more than anything. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> he's got a very, very orange tan, um, Kito Oka oh, does. Oh, 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 of course. <laughs> but, um, regarding the, how this fight goes, you know, I don't think Kawajiri has it anymore. I think Kawajiri's time is passing by, unfortunately. He's... Oh, come on. I, he's not the crusher anymore. Instead, I feel like he uh, fights that he should have been the crusher. He got crushed in, unfortunately. I know. Uh, for fuck's sake, you really think that? I mean, you really think that he's not the crusher like he used to be anymore? In the fights that I've seen him have recently, you know, against Gabriel Oliveira and uh, and Crone Gracie, I. He he went especially with Gabriel Rivera. He should have won that fight. Instead, he got knocked out with a with a knee while trying to go for a takedown. Like knocked cold, knocked out cold. True, right. true, but that's only the fight would have lasted long. Uh, and I know that the tapology people. I'm looking at the uh, fight predictions. Have Kido, I have Kawajiri at 89 percent and Kitaoka at 11 percent. Uh, so they overwhelmingly pick Kawajiri to win. You know. I can see Kawajiri knocking. I don't know. Can can a guy who doesn't even know does, hasn't fought one fifty five in a long time knock out a guy who's going to obviously have a bigger size advantage over him uh, in Kitaoka? Do you think? Do you see that happening? Well, to be honest, do you I think, think it's? That... Oh, you go ahead, Teep. I was just going to say, you think it's just the Kawajiri? He's a little bit older. It's hard to cut that weight. You know, that's a drain. Yeah. Like a small weight cut in MMA would be just absolutely destructive to a normal person's feeling throughout a day, you know what I mean? I, I dehydrated a bit working out, and it's, it's brutal. I can't imagine doing like five times what I lose in mm-hmm. that water weight, you know? Mm-hmm. And, if you also, and, then, and then going into a fight, I'd be tripping. And if you also just take away the Anthony Burchek fight, which he, he had a huge size advantage over Burchek in that match. Um, all, of his, all those matches... That he uh, he had four uh, one two three four matches pre, uh, besides the Burchek one he's lost them all. Um, the last fight before the Burchek one that he won was against Jason Knight back in 2015. And I'm gonna guess that oh. was you know, they were pro- he was probably about the same size as his opponents. But I don't I I don't feel like Karajiri has it anymore as a fighter. And the way he was also talking in, in that Rise of Confessions video, he seems like one of those guys who just. He just doesn't have the mental... It's not mentally... 
Uh, he's not men he's, He doesn't have the mentality of a fighter anymore. Basically, you're saying that he doesn't have the mental capacity anymore. I would. I. I hope that he has that. That is not that egregious. That he's. That he still has his. That he still can uh, form coherent thoughts and all that stuff. Um, if that's what you mean, but I don't. I, he just doesn't have that fire. You mean? Yeah. He, I just. He doesn't. He doesn't. You know. Kido Oka still has that fire. He makes dumb mistakes, but he still has that. He still has that fire to you know to know when to go for a submission, and sometimes that's even to his uh his disadvantage, as what happened with Brandau, where he wouldn't let go of that leg despite getting his face pounded in, um, like a punching bag. I could see uh I could see Kido Oka, uh, taking him down and submitting him. Um, I really can see. I can see that's that's how I see the fight going, really. Well, allow me to play devil's advocate when it comes down to that. I think, and I'm looking at the topology stats for Akita Oka right now. He's one and three inside the rising ring. He defeated Darren Crookshank via guillotine choke, obviously controversial because of the amount of, I mean, basically his back being slippery as a fucking whale's ass. Yeah. <laughs> but, but still. He lost to Yusuke Yachi, he lost to Kichi Strasakunimoto, and he got knocked out by Diego Blandau at Rides in 11, more recently back on July 29th. But still, dude, I think that, I mean, you say, Andrew, that Kawajiri doesn't have it anymore. I think he's got one more left in the tank if this is going to be probably his last Yaranoka, his last hurrah. I say... He needs to go out there, do it, and you know, Kitoka's ass. I hope so. You know, no, it would be great to see. You know, if this is his last fight, you know, go out, go out on a win. You know, not on a loss. But if it's you know, you know, I this if it's if he went, even if he went, it would have to be a decisive. You know, uh, you know, destroy destroying uh, on uh, Kawajiri's part to to. Uh, for me to say, oh, you know what? He still had it for this fight, but just going by his previous fights, you know, I just, I don't. It's, it's just not. It, he hasn't been the same Kawajiri that that I that I was watching on uh, YouTube videos for uh, for many many years. Even the UFC, it's still not still not the same Kawajiri that he is that he was then and what he is now. Uh, Joseph uh, uh, Teep, do you have any uh, thoughts? I don't know enough about the other guy. I don't want to pick Kawajiri out of familiarity, which I think might be part of Tapology's deal. Yeah, people are like I know him from the UFC. I picked that guy. I know him. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so I have I have no I have no oh, no opinion, but I do hope that there's some sort of distribution for it. Yeah. Uh, uh, just get like, um, we got like there's like five or six more fights. I think. Um, I think I think yeah, we can go through them pretty I, quickly. I mean, if that's cool, I would like to go through the other fights that are on this card. Yeah, sure. Because, I mean, aside from the other two I mentioned, when it came down to talking about this, their re I mean, the rematches between Watanabe and Sugiyama and Jaehoon Moon versus Kai Asakura, as well as Leon Takeshi versus Mikuru Asakura, I mean, I just find it weird that they put these two kickboxing bouts Taiju Shiratori versus Uza Strong, Yoshihisa Uzatsuyo, and I think Yuta Ushida versus Takuma Konishi on this card. But I think they probably want to even it out, whereas, hey, 
you're gonna get a. I mean, you're still gonna get your MMA fights, but you're still gonna have some incredible kickboxing to go with it because hey, it's gonna be an all. I mean, it's. I mean, you're gonna see boxing at the end, so it's not gonna be all too weird, but it's still gonna be exciting. And plus, when it comes down to it, you got a little. I mean, you basically got a little fight that's pretty much just straight Japanese. Nanaka Kawamura is an idol singer. I mean, I'm pretty sure most of us don't really care much about idol singers here in the States other than those on that fucking American Idol show. But idol singers are a... Oh, you guys oh Joseph, welcome back. Yeah, I don't know what, ha- I don't know what happened. Because um, for some reason, like I, no- nobody could hear me at all, and I was like yelling off the top of my lungs. We thought you got kidnapped. We can cancel the all-points bulletin. But still, the one fight I think that will probably catch my attention is the Nanaka Kawamura versus Aishimizu bout. Before we talk about that, Christian, I just wanted to get uh, Joseph's thoughts on Kawaji Kiduoka. Do you have any uh, pick or any thoughts on the main event for the uh, Yarinoke between Tatsuya Kawajiri and Satoru Kiduoka? I think Kawajiri could get it if Kiyoka makes that same mistake he did against Brandau and, and keeps holding on to the limb. True, true. But 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 you know but but there's the but I'm thinking maybe like maybe takes like a lucky strike maybe and to, to take maybe to beat Kiyoka. Mm-hmm. But that but that is like so high on the he would need to have so much luck for that to work. But I feel that you know I think Kiyoka could win this. If, um, as long as he doesn't ah. make that same mistake, he's brand out. Thank you. Thank you. See, I'm not the only one who's picking Kitavoka. I, 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 uh... oh. <laughs> sorry, Christian. Sorry. <laughs> but hey, you know what? That's y'all's decision. I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> but the point of the matter when it comes down to me and this Yarnoka card, I'm more interested in this Nanaka Kawamura versus Aishimizu fight because on one hand, you got an idol competitor. I mean, you got a former idol artist who used to be a part of a big, like, a big music group, so to speak. Like, how they treat fucking boy bands here in the States. <laughs> or, you know, teeny bop acts. She is basically, like, so popular because of the fact that she comes out with a Jason mask, but she's two and two overall as a professional. Meanwhile, her opponent, who's kind of like, a big fucking deal when it comes down to the world of voice acting or singing or even professional wrestling. I think she's done well when it comes down to a certain series that's been on Abima TV where they've been trying to get some people who will be a part of this one FC Japan show on March 31st. But I Shimizu, who's now been fighting out of crazy beat more recently, she's going to have a lot to prove because she's going to be making her professional MMA debut. So I think other than the Kawajiri Kitaoka fight and the other three bouts that are worth caring about, that Kawamura Shimizu bout is going to be one that's going to take my interest. Do you think, are you interested from a perspective of that they're not the most professional of, of, of fighters and you're just curious how that fight is going to go? Well, that and the fact of, you know... I mean, I'm just wanting to see how it goes because it's not every day you get somebody from the world of music facing off against somebody from the world of probably voice acting 
you know, squaring off against one another inside of a ring. So I'm just looking to see how that match will go. Isn't uh, Aisha Muzu also a pro wrestler? Or yes, I did mention that. Yes, yeah. She is a former Triangle Ribbon champion in Ice Ribbon and a former competitor for Stardom, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so it's a case of a pro wrestler ver- uh, a, 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 a versus a uh, an I- former idol singer. That's an interesting type yes. of match. Yes, that's pretty funny. So this is gonna be this is gonna be one for the history books. It's absolutely no shit. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this uh, match, Joseph? A pick or do you know? Any- I'm, going, I'm going for the vo- I'm going for the voice actors. <laughs> Teep? I see. Interesting choice. Teep, do you have any thoughts? I got no dogs in this fight. I just hope it'll be a great bout. How about you, Teep? Do you have any thoughts? I think he's muted himself. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, tell me what I've, one championship got to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. But still... Point of the matter is, this fight card should be great, even though it's probably not going to be televised here in the States. It's probably going to be shown in bits and pieces. But I can only hope this fight card lives up to expectations. I That's do, all I'm hoping I do for. think, you know... Uh, oh, oh t- just wait. It's going to be... Just wait. Somebody's going to put the fights on YouTube in some way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah of course. What about the, uh, the, the Jae-Hoon moon Kaya Zakur, uh fight? Um, are you potentially interested in that, Christian? Hey, just like I, just like how I'll be when it comes down to the Watanabe Sukiyama fight, I'll keep a very close eye on them if somebody puts them out or if it gets shown live. But I'm not gonna pick either one of those fights because I know they'll just be fun. Do you think is Jaehoon Moon like the the worst fighter that gets some of the most surprising wins? I don't think he's a good fighter. I really don't think. Uh, I don't know. Um, well, I don't know. How is he in Road FC? Well, that- well he's uh, he's eleven and eleven overall when it comes down to his MMA record. But as far as Road FC, that's a different story. I mean, let me go ahead and check. Uh, well, the, the, because, the only thing, because the only way we can really um, say our opinions of Jay Hoon Moon is from his fights from the uh, the bantamweight tournament. True. True. He is three and four outside of Road FC, so that means he is shit. He is eight and seven overall in Road FC, so he's a pretty damn good competitor in that promotion, just not overall as a professional fighter. But also the most so, imp- the most important thing is that he has a, a win over Kai Azakura in Road FC. True, that he does. I'm sorry, Joseph, what were you going to say? Oh, no, I wasn't saying anything. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, Kai Azakura should win that, I think. I think he should easily get that back that win. I don't see why he should he should lose again against... Unless this is one of those weird one of those weird MMA things where Jae-Hoon Moon's the one opponent he cannot defeat in any form of capacity. <laughs> well, if I was Kai, I would keep this more as a stand-up fight. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. You know, turn this into a fight, you know what I mean? Don't let him try to get you on the ground. Um, how about the, do you want to talk about the other, the other, uh, Azakura brother, uh, fighting, uh, Christian? Uh, not 
much because I know that when it comes down to a lot of JMMA fans, they should be picking Takeshi in the way, I mean, lying Takeshi in the way, despite the fact that the Tapology fan base have it 97 to 3 for me, Guru. Jesus Christ. But, 97 oh shit. <laughs> um, what about um how about the uh Kana Watanabe and Shizuka Sugiyama rematches? Uh you think Kana gets that win back? Well, to be honest, when it comes down to Watanabe, she's young in her career. She's five fights into her career facing off against a 22-fight veteran in Shion Sukiyama. And even though the Tapology fan base has it clear for Watanabe, 85-15, I kind of think that this fight will be if not more evenly matched in their first encounter, I think just as evenly matched because these two, I mean, obviously, Kana Watanabe is young in her career, but it seems like she's always going to have a good fight when it comes down to Shizuka Sugiyama, and obviously, that proved well in their first fight against each other this time last year, so, you know, mm-hmm. it should be way more exciting than their first encounter. And we got two kickboxing matches as well. Um, uh, yeah, I don't give a flying fuck. <laughs> um, it's so funny because I tried to find... Uh, so Yuta Uchida, um, he has one fight in Ryzen. Um, he did fight yes, in... Yes, that was back in the Ryzen Openweight Grand Prix of 2015. Yeah, and he got dominated by Valentin Moldovsky in that. Um... I don't know that's how Fedor's he is. Dude. Sorry, what? Oh, that's Fedor's dude. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Sure the whole team, you know? Fedor team. They're in Bellator now, though. Um, and even though I don't give much of a fuck about this fight, I think Konishi's going to whoop Uchida's ass. I tried to find videos on uh, Takuma Konishi, and I found these, like, oh, it was, like, recorded on a video camera on someone's phone. It was all in Japanese. I don't even know if it's him, cause the the, the fight this fight has has it at two hundred and three pounds. Yet the the people that were in these boxing matches did not look at all like two hundred three. They looked like one eighty fivers. So maybe it's because of the fact that they a little bit trimmed down, a little more skinny than lanky. It's possible, yeah, because even when you look at uh, Konishi's picture on his tapology, he does not look at all like he could be a light heavyweight. He looks like a like a welterweight in that picture. True. Yeah, he does. But, but it's how fighters in Japan really focus on their figures more than how we do in the States. Oh, yeah. And the other kickboxing match is Taiju Shiratori versus Yoshia Uzatsuyo, who had one previous kickboxing match, which he got his ass kicked by uh, Kaito Ono um, back mm-hmm. at Ryzen uh, 11, I believe that was. Uh, and to me, it's a fucking shame that Kaito Ono ain't on this card, but to be honest, Kaito Ono is going to be fighting on... Huh? Is Kaito booked for another event? Yes, he is. I think for Rise, R-I-S-E, coming up in January or February, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Wasn't Rise doing a uh, tournament? 
Yes, they were. Because he might be representing Shootobox in that tournament. Mm-hmm. He probably might. And guess who's also fighting next month? Taiju Shiratori, as well, in Rise. Oh, yes, because he got a Rise title fight to deal with. So he's pulling double duty uh, almost uh, within a few weeks of uh, this fight. Yeah. That so dude fighting... Uh, who's the champion in Rise right now? Is Tension still the champion for that promotion? Oh, yeah. Well, actually... He's still the featherweight champion in that promotion, obviously, but it's like 125 pounds. The same fight, I mean, the same weight class that he's in when it comes down to MMA. Well, then he's going to be fighting tension. uh, You're going to have to give him a prayer. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah. He's been, like, destroying everybody uh, left and right. I think, you Mm -hmm. know, I don't know what... I don't know what's going to happen with this uh, Yarinoka card. I hope it gets it makes tape somehow that we can all see it, even if it's in little highlights or whatever. Um, do you think that? I have a feeling. So- I, have a, I have a feeling somebody's going to be recording that uh, that show in Japan and like putting it on stream or something, or someone's going to be putting the fights on YouTube. You can bet. Do you think on their Instagram, Ryzen, They've been putting up like fight highlights. You can go now to at least for some of them. You can go and see the just the best bits of, of certain fights they want people to see. So, at a minimum, we'll get that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. True, true. But enough talk about Yaranoka. Let's go ahead and let's get to the Rising 14 card. And I know that, you know, Andrew, you have problems trying to read off the card when it comes down to the event. I have the actual fight card. The actual fight card that was posted up by Twitter user at Ryzen Chelsea, R-I-Z-I-N-C-H-E-L-S-E-A. And even though it's in Japanese, I think I can understand it full well. And the first fight on the card, if I'm not mistaken, is the fight between Gabrielle Gabby Garcia versus a kickboxer, Barbara Bobby Nepomuceno. Damn, they're gonna have Gabby uh, curtain jerk the show. <laughs> yes, exactly. I was thinking that's why I thought too. I was like, I was so surprised that that was the first one. Like, she's usually never the curtain jerker. She's usually the middle of the card. To you know, yeah, yeah she's usually the uh, the special attraction match. Oh, do you exactly. think this is do you think this is like, punishment for her not making weight a, last time? I'm pretty sure. Just a, maybe I'm pretty up. sure Takata got over it. I think I just want to start strong and Gabby. She's awesome, now. That's my favorite female fighter right there. Gabby's going to take this young lady down after some fisticuffs and, she, and some kicks, and she's going to take her down and throttle her. What do you... Yeah, like, what, I'm pretty sure... And from, what I've, and from what I've heard, I think Gabby wants that girl's head on a freaking pike. Was that one of the girls who were, like, talking smack about her? Yes. Uh, to be honest, a lot of no, because for Sando isn't the one to talk smack, as I... I mean, I was basically reading up on a WMMA rankings article of Barbara, and she says she doesn't like to talk smack. Uh, 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 Christian, I do remember that that she. I think what happened was that Gabby Garth either Gabby said something or she, she thought that uh, uh, Barbara said something, and so they kind of like were talking smack. That's what I thought I heard last. Uh, I think she's just someone real. I think she's just lying her... I mean, I, sh- I just think she's lying her physique off, let's just say. But first of all, the particulars on these competitors. 
Gabriel Lemos, Gabby Garcia, 6'2", 235.2 pounds, give or take. Age 33, born in Porto Alegre, Rio Grande do Sul, Brasil. On November 17, 1985, she fights out of Alliance Jiu-Jitsu, San Diego, California, USA. This will be her first Ryzen fight since the no contest against Oksana Gagloeva on July 30, 2017. But obviously, she's 5-0 overall, five of her wins by way of finish. And she is currently 4-0 and 1-0 contest inside the Ryzen ring. Her opponent... What about this? Mm-hmm. Her opponent... Sorry, talk over you. It's okay, dude. I understand. Everybody talks over me. I mean, Joseph should know. I talk over everybody. <laughs> yeah. But still, her opponent... Her opponent in this... Three by five minute round contest, I think. Barbara Bobby Nepomuceno, five ten, walking around at two hundred pounds, but weigh in at one hundred and eighty five pounds. She fights out of Caviasica Espirito Santo Brasil, and she is a standout competitor for the WGP kickboxing promotion. That's what's so up. Like, yeah, so, she, so, so I got to ask, what are you guys' thoughts about this? I mean, obviously, Barbara is a trained kickboxer. Gabby is a jiu-jitsu ace. But without, you know, basically just going right into it and saying, who do you think is going to win? I mean, first of all, do you guys think this fight is going to last more than a round? Nope. No, I don't think so. One way or the other, they're going to be swinging hard. And if Gabby does take her down, I mean, that's her realm. She's so dead. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's game over if Gabby gets her to the ground. The other yeah. girl's going to have to spit up, try to keep it the stand-up as much as possible. Yeah, man. Circle through the crow. Yeah, yeah, but then Gabby ain't shy to trade, trade either. No, no. She's training, she's training for legit people. She's not like, you know, people like, oh, you're... You know, you're so slop. You know, she's, they talk about her like she has no skill. The thing is, she's an enormous frame to be moving around. I mean, you look at Hongman Choi, didn't look that way too. But if he beat, if he can beat Schilt, that says something. You know what I mean? Like size counts. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm gonna... not talking. No, I didn't mean it uh, that way. I mean, like, Gabby is also willing to throw down with strikes as well. That's what I kind of. She's willing to trade strikes with her also. She's very comfortable there. Keeps her hands up. I mean, she's training with probably the, the best, you know, like female fighter of all time, probably all around, you know, in Cyborg. They're, they're gal pals, and, they, you know, they just hang out, and they're... But the, so she's in there with, like, a legit person. And this young lady's, you know, bigger, obviously, if she's fighting at middleweight. But, uh, you know, she's going to give up, what, four inches in height? It's going to be a bad night. It's going to be a bad night, I believe. Well, but, I, have a qu- know, I have a question for everybody. Is this, right now, could this, uh, could Barbara... Nep- How do you pronounce her last name again, uh, Christian? Nepusino? Nepomuceno, but it's best to just call her Bobby, B-A-B-I. Uh, Bobby, could she possibly be uh, Gabby's toughest opponent so far in MMA up to this point? Well, if it stays stand-up, yes. Yeah, Um, I mean, mostly because of the fact that in kickboxing, and I'm looking at her 
WGE kickboxing record right now. She is three and two with one victory by way of knockout in professional kickboxing. I mean, obviously, she's going to come in being no tough cookie. And obviously, when it comes down to her age, I mean, if you think about it, Gabby is 33. I mean, it's pretty obvious she's not going to have much to go about when it comes down to her competing any longer past the age of 35. The Pummel Stano, Bobby, she's 28. She's got all of her time. She's got all the time in the world to compete. You now here's here's the here's the other point I want to bring up, which uh, might sound interesting. So, Ryzen has a very interesting uh, history where kickboxers who who have gone on to transition to MMA in the Ryzen ring have actually been successful. You know, you got Tension, who's four zero MMA. All his fights are in Ryzen. Uh, You got uh, Topnoy. He his debut fight against an MMA fighter. He uh, knocked out his opponent, uh, Oni Bozu. Um. Is it possible that 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 this can happen? That uh, Bobby can have can can uh, give Gabby her first loss, continue the kickboxer to MMA uh, sh- uh, successful streak that is in Ryzen. It could happen. It could happen. Yeah, I mean, it just takes. It's going to take one big shot. It might take more than that. I mean, Gabby's she's a she's a big girl. Like you know, she's. Um, I don't mean that in a bad way. She's just she's supremely. Large, big boned, athletic. You know, I mean, there's that famous photo of her standing with Verdum, <laughs> and she's almost his size. Like, you look at it and you realize, like, oh, she's a legit heavyweight woman. There aren't many who have that kind of physical frame, you know, compared to people who are shorter and just thick boned. She's tall and big in every dimension. She's, I feel like she's going to take it down to the ground as best she can, and she's tough enough to walk through some stuff, you know, to a point and get it down. Once she's down there, I mean, Gi or no gi, she's an absolute lethal woman. Like, I wouldn't, especially no gi, I wouldn't expect any female fighter in MMA to be able to grapple with her in a, in a fight situation. The only, the only even, uh, person... No, on the ground? No, she would she would submit Cyborg. The only know. person who has any significant win in grappling with uh, Gabby Garcia is... Uh, oh, shit, I'm forgetting her name. Um, Oh... Uh, Christian, what's the, uh, UFC, uh, the one, uh, who always misses weight? Uh, what's her name again? Mackenzie Dern. Mackenzie Dern. Uh, and in fact, actually... It's technicality, right? She didn't submit yeah, her anything. Yeah, it was, I think it was by advantage. That's, but, uh, Gabby's won every other match that she's had in Mackenzie Dern. Um, that was the only person who's ever defeated her in a grappling, uh, tournament, was Mackenzie Dern, that one time. So... Yeah. Um, watch Sakuraba. Uh, watch, 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 now, now, now that we brought it up, watch Sakuraba book that for a quintet. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but, what like, is she, the... In, in um, ADCC, she, she uh, submitted Talita Noguera, the, the Bellator featherweight. I think she armbarred her. I can't remember. Right. Um, but, uh, but also, here's the other thing I'm going to bring up. If everybody remembers her fight, uh, Gabby's fight with uh, Lady Tapa... Remember, Lee Tapa got in a nice shot in Gabby and had and all got her down to a knee. Do you remember well, that? Lady Tapa is like the closest person to beating Gabby and Ryzen. It's actually funny. That really that was like the closest she's ever come. Yeah, that's being defeated was that like one punch, that one lucky punch. Yeah, if I remember, Lady Tapa is doing uh, amateur boxing now, right? Yeah, yeah. I think boxing. so. So, uh, Christian, I really love her spokesman. Tapa's spokesman is hilarious. Oh, you I see? I was like, oh, this 
very, you know, I love that sort of crazy stuff. That's really what gets my interest the most is when when it gets when things get weird. You know, I'm already weird, so. So yeah. right now the uh, the tapology people have Ka- Gabby Garcia as a pick to overwhelmingly win this fight, ninety four percent versus six percent for uh, Bobby. I think yeah, I think I think we're all in agreement that that Gabby wins this. Uh, probably on the ground. Uh, and it's, picking and it's not even going to go beyond the first she, round. Yeah, she's got the topology stats, and everybody's picking Gabby Garcia. Yeah. Also, do you think they could beat up the grandma. You know, yeah. <laughs> do you think it's going to be either by ground and pound or tap out? I would say tap out. She might just because she's she's doing with someone she know she's going to know. Okay, this is a kickboxer. This is not someone who has the muscle memory, and she's smaller too. So, it, like, I forget which one of her fights. When she got close to mine, it was like, it was, she just mushed the girl because she's so big and knows how to use that power. It's kind of like, you know, it's one thing if you're really big and kind of goofy, but she doesn't move goofy on the ground. She's got, and she's, so, she, I, I do believe that this, this is, I, I'm lo- probably looking forward to this more than anything that night. Oh, no, it's an, it is a tr- an intriguing match. Absolutely, it is. Um, but yeah, I, the number one heavyweight female fighter i consider her the open weight queen of the sport like i wouldn't pick a single woman in fighting against her but now, that's she's even though it's a thin bracket but if you just go open weight old school gabby's gonna pretty much kick every ass out there and make it look and actually like some, oh sorry I mean, you know there's a reason there's weight classes yeah uh, and actually that's funny uh i actually got a question on twitter from a user std whose uh handles at at underscore std underscore and the question that they asked was, is this person who actually kickboxed going to fuck Gabby Garcia up or what? I think we can all agree, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> and he, he can only oh. dream about that. Well, to be I'd honest, they, I can probably think that Marvin Nepomuceno is going to mess up Gabby. But if, it fight, I mean, but if the fight goes to the ground, obviously, game over. Well, as long as Gabby doesn't act so you know, cocky and arrogant and drag the fight out. I think also with the size and, and the fact that Gabby, I mean, she's young in her career. She's coming from a pure grappling background, as far as I know. So she's going to be getting better and better. The more days she spends with Cyborg hitting the pads and getting fine-tuned. So she might even knock this young lady out, even though she doesn't have the pedigree, you know, coming over from that sport. But she is huge and, and does keep good form, you know, keeps just uh, not in her early fights. But, you know, a lot of these athletes, they don't look... You know, look at Aaron Pico, comes in this phenom, right? He's been scouted since he was a little kid. He wasn't even, you know, he was like a little kid, and he was on people's radar in multiple sports. But then he uh, he got hit by Freeman. Freeman, you know, jumped the guillotine or whatever, and just, that was it, 20-something seconds. But then now you see him absolutely destroy Leandro Higo, the littlest pit bull, just absolutely bru- brutalize him. And so, I mean, people progress. So Gabby, you know, she can draw on her grappling, but... Strike it. She might just knock this girl right out. I wouldn't be shocked. Nothing would surprise me, though. You knock out from, like, what, how many, like, you think from, what, like, one hit? No, 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 like, 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 jab cross hook or miss a jab cross and then catch the hook as, as, um, Bobby's trying to counter, you know? I'm trying to remember if Gabby's a righty. I think she's righty, so, like, you know, like a left hook when she's coming to jab in or something, like, some sort of in the flurry, but like Gabby is enormous and uh, she's just not, I really wish they would do a Grand Prix to kind of build that thing up. Well, actually that was going to be my next question. Uh, Presuming Gabby wins, 
who does she fight next? Who would you have her fight next? Because um, you're starting to really run out of names uh, for her to fight. God, is there really any big girls to go out and face Gabby Garcia without getting their face plucked? I mean, without getting their face pushed in? How about uh, that well, kick? There's a, uh, alpha female. Y- yeah. Oh, Jazzy Gabby. Now, now oh, if you're wondering, no, but here's the thing that not many people knew about. Um, when Alpha Female was at the Mae Young Classic for the WWE at the time. Um, I had, you know, she was originally going to be going to the E at that point, but they rescinded it because they found out she had, um, uh, vertebrated, she had, like, damaged discs in her neck. Oh. oh. So even if they wanted to do, and even if Ryzen wanted to do the, uh, the, the um, a jazzy Gabby fight, they wouldn't have been able to anyway because she had herniated discs in her neck at that point in time. Damn. Not many people knew that. She actually said that in an interview. In a, in an interview. Okay. So another one the fight ain't going to happen. Not you know, at that point in time, I don't I don't know if she's like wrestling now, but that was what I heard at the time. Oh, she's back to wrestling. She is back to wrestling, um, Jazzy Gabbert. Yeah, but you know, so hey, if they still want to do that fight, they could still do that. I have some other names as well that I uh, compiled uh, for possible points. Uh, how about Katya Kavaleva? Um, I think oh. that fight happened in Road FC. No, no, no. Uh, actually, it didn't happen because Gabby Garcia fought Veronica Fultina. That was uh, the other one. That was the uh, that was the big one that everybody was wanted to see was her and uh, Putina. Uh, yeah, that happened in Row FC. Do you think uh, Kadia Kavaleva could be a good opponent? Yes, I mean if she they can, been, uh, if she can stop ducking. Uh huh. <laughs> and she actually would would she I have the size advantage? In, I, would, she would have the size advantage, I think. Um, I compared to Gabby, she right? She would have the height advantage, but not the weight advantage. Oh, okay, okay. How about uh, the fight that should have happened? Um, Shinobu Kandori. Oh, hell no. Unless you have somebody, maybe, maybe have somebody rivalry. Um, yeah, maybe have somebody represent, um, LLPWX. Uh-uh. Yeah, somebody who's under the age of 50, Joseph. <laughs> well, it's actually funny, because I actually had another opponent for possibly Gabby Garcia, who is, who also fought for LLPW, Svetlana Godonenko. Uh, it would be hard to try and get her out of the hole she's living in. No, no. I mean, she would. She I would mean, have I mean, the people, way to. People were people were pushing for King Rena and, and Gabby for a while a few years back, two years uh, ago. Yeah, but I don't. I'm th- still, I mean, they can, the you know, they can. You know, they can tie in. You know, um, you know, like King Rain is you know connection with um with Shinobu and, y- and Yumiko from LLPWX. Since you know, in most of the rights and confessions with King Rain in it. She's always hanging out with them. Problem is that she's yeah. also on a losing streak, and I think that that losing streak was not something that Ryzen really planned on happening. Exactly. Hey, it's not, hey, it, it, hey, it's not, it's, hey, it's not their fault that you know, she did the job to Cindy Dandoa. Oh, yeah. Actually, how about <laughs> Cindy... About, how about, enough C- about the Gabby Garcia, Barbara Napomoceno fight. We're all in agreement that Gabby's going to win, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah but we all... Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. I'm going to hedge my okay. best. 85 is pretty certain on my, by my scale. Yeah. Look, man, you can even use Scott Steiner math, Steiner, Scott Steiner math here. <laughs> she has no chance of winning. Huh. Actually, she has less yeah, than a 33 and a third percent chance of winning. Actually, here's one more person. Here's one more person that I'm curious to know. 
And, you know, since we've seen a lot of people from uh, P um, the uh, PFL f uh, fight in Ryzen, what about Kayla Harrison versus Gabby Garcia? No, I don't think that would how happen. Big, um, how big is she? Um, she's a 155-er. 6'2", 145, or 6'2", 155. She cuts to 155, right? She's probably like a buck 70-something. Yeah. But she's she's probably the best uh, ju uh, judo fighter since uh, Ronda Rousey. Now here's what I'm thinking. Like here's what I'm thinking that they could do with um, Gabby. Like they can like do like maybe like have Gabby do like an open challenge. You know what I mean? Like open challenge to anybody. You know, and then like you know, and then the, you know, with her, you know, fight money's on the line. Oh, I mean that would be good. But as long as they don't bring anybody like Josette Cotton out there. Having her bouncing all over the ring. You you know what I'm talking about, right, T? I mean, come on. She was Kayla Harrison's most recent opponent. She was her... Oh, well, uh, yeah, she, uh, yeah, Kayla Harrison knocked her out at that PFL show. Yeah, Please, that's what I... the fact that she was stalling, pretty much. No, like, you know, you do, like, a, like you know, because, you know, like, book Gabby, like, a special attraction. Exactly. You know what fight I want to see for Gabby? I want to see Julia, but because you know, okay, so Cowboy's going to challenge Gucci for like the inaugural rising the Beltum, bantamweight belt. Coco suggested that you know it's like a rematch clause, and Gucci will get to come and contend for the Bellator belt. Well, they should have Julia Bud going out up out there and fight Gabby for the open weight belt and get another champ champ opportunity because Julia's not she's not huge, but she's she's not a small lady, and she's got really strong wrestling. I think that's probably the most competitive fight out there, even though she's not the largest young lady, but she is, she's tough. She's the number, I mean, you know, I, know, I wonder if this, if they do, hypothetically, if they make an open weight belt for Gabby, maybe they could have Gabby defend it against any woman from any of the other promotions that Ryzen is allied with. <laughs> yeah, like, that's going to be not, a challenge, like, I would love to see that. I would love to see that, you know, and then that would give Bellator some time to figure out featherweight, because, um, Olga Rubin, she beat Dandois, so, you know, so she's, like, probably oh. there. But I think she's only, like, 5-1 now, so maybe she needs another yeah. winner. Yeah, well, Gary, that's why I said, you know, book Gabby like a special attraction. Yeah, just like this is the open weight queen of the whole sport. Come and get some. Yeah, true, and, true. And, and, to, and to make people want to fight her, you put a big amount of prize money on the line. True. Exactly. I mean, I can't see that happening, but, you know, hopefully, hopefully before all that happens, let's just hope this fight between her and the Pomoceno is actually worth caring about. And she makes now, weight. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it depends on if you, because I, I just want to follow a trajectory, you know what I mean? Yeah, I get what you mean, but let's go ahead and move on. Let's go yeah, ahead and move on to this next fight, because that's only one of... 14. This is 2 of 14 according to the Japanese fight listing. 2 okay, of 14. Light heavyweights. Jiri Denisha Prohaska versus Brandon the Bullhousey, the former Bellator middleweight champion of the world. First, the particulars. Prohaska from Hostodice in the Czech Republic. 6 feet 4, 203.7 pounds, age 26, born October 14, 1992. A full month before I was born. 
But still, Prohaska has a 22-3-1 professional MMA record. And if I'm not mistaken, he is 7-1 and one inside the rising ring with his only loss coming to King Mo Lawal. Right. That's correct, yes. His, his opponent, Brandon the Bullhousey, the former Bellator middleweight champion of the world, 6 feet, 204.4 pounds, with a 72-inch reach, age 32, born September 16, 1986, fighting out of HB Ultimate in Huntington Beach, California. He, after going on a bit of a downturn and an upturn in the PFL, most recently got a victory over Heine Marcus, but did not qualify for the PFL playoffs. Obviously, he lost his belt to Rafael Blesse Corvajo, back in 2015, then lost to John Salter and Alexander the Storm Shomanko. But hey, just, to clarify, the cl- just to clarify, he missed weight versus, I think, Ke- Kendall Grove and was stripped and then fought for the vacant belt versus Carvalho. Oh, right, right, right. Alter right. doesn't mess with weight. They're like, oh, man, you can't win the belt. He won the fight, but you, they were like, you still don't get the belt. But then they put him in with Carvalho. And... Yeah, but if you think about it, who do you think is going to win this fight? Because obviously, Halsey has, no wait, actually, Prohaska has the experience, but Halsey is a former world champion. So, do you think that the tie will change for Mr. Halsey, or do you think that Prohaska is going to dominate? I, I mean, I think on this one, part of the story of Halsey is he, he started off, I think, his first five fights with light heavyweight. And he dropped down the middleweight and won the, the Bellator the Season 10 tournament. And then he beat, I think it was Slomenko, and he got the, you know, then he started having the weight issue. So he's, he's I think, 3-1 and one since he moved back up to light heavyweight. And I think that makes a difference. You know, he was just sucking too much out. But he's fighting, in my opinion, the best light heavyweight outside of Bellator the UFC. Jerry? So I definitely favor Jerry here. But Halsey at light heavyweight is much more of a threat. Okay. Is somebody taking a shower? It sounds like somebody's. Te- no, hold on. Hold on a minute. I gotta move. I gotta move. I gotta relocate again. Oh, okay. Um, before I t- I give my thoughts on this fu- on this fight. Um, originally this was supposed to be Cheery Prohaska versus another former Bellator champion, Emmanuel Newton, who had to pull out of the fight. Uh huh. Um, I believe yeah, but Newton basically got pulled off the card due to suffering a rib injury in training camp for this fight. Oh, so it is confirmed it was a rib injury. Mm-hmm. It was. Um. So, what is it? A, is it a weird coincidence that he, that they're going from one Bellator champion, former Bellator champion, to another? That's really. I wonder if that's a coincidence. I'm gonna be. You could be in the living room to be comfortable. Fine, I come out till eight o'clock. I wasn't thinking. Oh, you okay. have a. Okay. I wasn't trying to interrupt your conversation. And what about the? Uh, and you said that. Uh, and you said that Halsey has uh, weight issues. Weight issues, right? Mm-hmm. At one eighty-five, but he's back up to light heavyweight now. He's three and one, I think, in PFL. All right. All right. So I'm thinking, as long as you know the weight issues is uh, kept under control, I think he'll be fine. Right. Well, I think he's like eight and one at light heavyweight, but he got. You know, I think it was just he went down for the opportunity for the for the tournament season, and then he started. You know, he missed he missed weight by like three pounds for uh, for the check for for the defense against Grove where he got stripped. And that's a big miss. 
<laughs> he's just trying to do too much. So he's looked a lot better. But I just think Jerry is too good. It's not even a knock on Halsey. I just think that, especially with his experience under, you know, basically pride rules, he's going to take. I would give him like probably like seventy-five to eighty percent chance of taking that one. I have a feeling yeah. that that the uh, the Bellator guys on this card are going to have that disadvantage because you know they're they're not fighting in a you're not fighting in a cage, pal. You're fighting in a you're fighting in a ring. You know, knees and soccer kicks. You know, they have. You know, there's no knees and soccer kicks in Bellator. Indeed, they are not unless you're fighting on a fucking Indian reservation. <laughs> uh, what about what about the, also the fact that Halsey's taking this fight with probably about only two weeks, a little maybe a little bit more over uh, two weeks' notice? Yeah, there's there's that too. Also, and also had the fact that you know Yuri, you know, was was trying to be slick, trying to you know dreaming about joining the UFC Devils. <laughs> uh-huh. Do you think that? Well, I think I I think that uh, I just don't think I think that Jiri's gonna is gonna be able to take this very easily. I think that uh, I don't I don't see Halsey's a good fighter, but I just think that Prochaska is just on a he yeah, as 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 you said, Teep, he's the best light heavyweight outside of the UFC Bellator spectrum, and there's he, there's a very good argument for that. Yo, they're absolutely, but just his overall skill set and his heart. And it's just everything, you know. <laughs> He's one of the guys I hope comes over to Bellator at some point to, to you know, to when they commingle the back and forth. I hope that he makes his way over. Uh, so, yeah, plus, if you think about it, Prohaska, out of his 7 and 1 record in Ryzen, six of his seven wins are by way of some form of knockout, whether it be via knees, via punches, standing, yeah. ground and pound. Or Only one form. fight of his has gone to decision. Only one yeah, fight. Bartanios. Yeah. But obviously, he's won via knees, punches, or by way of retirement at IE corner stoppage when he knocked out Vadim Nimkov on his way to losing the King Mo. And look at all and all this all they they've been all almost all for round one rent finishes. That's insane. Oh, yeah, nobody yep. ain't nobody yep. ain't yep. out that first round. Yeah, Not with him. Still, you know, waiting for that moment where he can, you know, have the battle with Krokop. Oh yeah. Oh, so when is that fight gonna happen? You think? Because it looks like I thought Krokop was gonna retire by the end of this year, but apparently he's not. He's having the fight in uh, Bellator um, against Roy Nelson. Um, I think he's gonna I I think he wants to retire in Japan. Is he? Gonna, oh yeah. Do you think he's but gonna do the Terry Funk thing? Mostly, he's making it up to the people of Bellator just to make that fight happen before he goes ahead and calls it a career. Do you think he's going to be like Terry Funk, where he's just going to say, "Oh, I'm going to this is when I'm going to retire," and then never actually retires? Well, a lot of guys like that. Tito, he's retired a bunch of times. A lot of guys have retired. Fedor's had a few. You know, they these guys are very competitive, and it's hard for them to just shut it off. Bottom mm-hmm. line. And there's oh, you is- mean like Chuck Liddell when he got knocked the fuck out by Tito Ortiz three weeks ago? <laughs> that five, that five, that five star classic. <laughs> he, he got paid out. I absolutely, I got to be honest, I absolutely loved. The build up to that fight because it was so bad. It was good, and then all the way back to bad, and then all the way back to good and amazing. It was like that kind of lead up where I was just like, "What the hell is happening?" Like Kimbo and Dada Five Thousand. Oh yeah, that, uh, dude. I'll never forget the uh, when I veer, when I first saw that trailer for the Dada Five Thousand. Uh, Kimbo slice my man Dada coming out with the Triple H sledgehammer. <laughs> that was a great nice fight, man. Or drunk sounding Mike Tyson, he sounded like he might have had a couple. I don't know, but uh, oh man, that was great. He jumped on the microphone. 
So it sounds like we're all again, we're all unanimous that uh that uh Jiri's gonna take this fight. He's gonna win. Yeah. Let's move on, let's move forward. Oh yeah, yeah so well, we course, got uh, Dada on the brain. Of course, yeah, of course the topology fan base would agree. Ninety seven percent are saying that Jerry Prohaska is gonna get the win and no surprise it's probably gonna be by a knockout. I, I would think there's a quite a, a possibility and plus Halsey, I think he has a wrestling background. I could be mistaken actually. He might be a judo guy. Jay Kuhn also had a wrestling background and it didn't work as well. Uh, against Jake uh, Hewn barely even used his wrestling. That well, that's you know it's funny when I talked to him, he said he doesn't want, he didn't want to use his wrestling uh, for the fight. He said he wanted to he wanted to make an exciting fight on the stand up. He said he didn't yeah, want to take him down. Yeah, but he could have yeah, but he could have wrestled Yuri to the ground and went for ground and pound. He said he said he didn't want he wanted he didn't want to do that for that for that fight. Yeah, I, I bet I bet he was regretting that when he got when he got beat up. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, okay. just curious to know, um, oh, sorry, sorry, people there, or who is that talking? Say, you know, like in, in Japan, especially, you know, bravado pays off, you know, crazy horse, they, they brought him in <laughs> and then he got the fast knockout backflip. He's like acting like he's jerking off and he's like talking <laughs> shit and running around. You remember when I knocked you out? So, question: oh, yeah. Who who would you put Jiri up against next after this fight, whether it be in Bellator or in Ryzen? Nemkov in Bellator. Nemkov just beat Phil Davis. He's on a roll. Nemkov, what's up? I saw it live. Uh, ooh, I, wait, 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 I got one. I got one. I got one. What about against uh, the dude who Crow Cop is uh, training? Oh, his protege. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Delia. Yeah, I put him against Crow Cop's protege and. If Isn't Delia a heavyweight? Isn't Delia a heavyweight though? Yeah, I think he is a heavyweight. He's like he's very tall. He's like six foot seven or six foot eight, I think. Yeah, he's six eight. I think two forty. I guess if he could make it, I don't know if he's willing to cut, you know, thirty five pounds, you know, and not die, or Jiri just, you know, will go what in maybe. On catch. Yeah, yeah, it could be catch. Um, I tried. I, I'm, I'm actually. Because uh, how is because how are they going to do the Crow Cop uh, Yuri when Crow Cop is also fought at heavyweight? Um, I could see yeah. the you know Jiri not. <laughs> it's I mean, he's weighs. He probably weighs like you know what a two twenty something. Yeah, probably. For light heavyweight, I mean, he's got to be cutting something. He's not like he's not like King Mo, who you look at him, you like or Hendo, where you're like, damn, you're really not that big. How do you? you I'm like trying to remember what he what what he weighed in the open weight tournament. Um. When he fought that oh, the uh, open weight tournament, um, Jiri, I'm trying to remember what he uh, what was it the heavyweight or the open weight that he fought in? Yeah, I think it was open weight. He fought at around 212 pounds. Oh, okay. So that's that's probably his walk around weight, two hundred twelve, like you know that that range. Um, yeah, okay. they could, that, that's still technically heavyweight. Mm-hmm. But still, we're all in agreement that. We're all in agreement that Jerry is going to knock the hell out of Brandon Halsey, right? Yes. Most likely. He was because he has looked a lot better at light heavyweight, but he's he's fighting a badass who knows pride rules. And that's the difference. I mean, it's it's not the same in the cage. That's a factor I see playing into, like, Calwell Haraguchi. So one of them has won a, tour, a Grand Prix in pride rules, and the other one's a wrestler coming from the cage where you have these options. 
you know, like when uh, remember when Baruto stuffed Krokop into the corner of the ring, Krokop could still get his leg back through the through the ropes and land a hard knee mm-hmm. rather than just a joke knee where you can't get your foot behind you. Mm-hmm. He took him out that way, you know, hit him with a full power knee rather than some little stifled shot. And that's gonna, I think that's gonna play into that fight. Even though Cowboy's phenomenal, he's not gonna be able to just blast double him into the cage wall and just not have him cock his limbs back. It's gonna be a little bit different. Some more yeah, play there, yeah, the yeah, there, there ain't gonna be no jumping off the. There's no cage to jump off of unless he wants to jump off the turnbuckle. <laughs> yeah, I'd be, cool. be down for that. Okay. Moving on, when it comes down to this card, we're in fight number three of 14 as far as the Japanese fight card goes. Yuki, well, I mean, this will be a 132-pound catchweight bout. Yuki Motoya, the former deep flyweight champion of the world, now the current deep bantamweight champion, versus former UFC flyweight contender Justin Tank Scoggins. First off, for Motoya, he's 22-5 and five overall. Fighting out Nagoya Aichi, Japan, representing CB Impact. 5'7", 125 and a half, age 29, born September 14, 1989. He is currently riding a four-fight winning streak, which includes more recently back on October 27th, defeating Makoto Kamaya to become the deep bantamweight champion. And when it comes down to his rising record, he is, let's see, uh... He is, he is two, one, and one no contest in the Rising Ring with that one no contest coming on the first Rising card back on December 29, 2015 when he was supposedly knocked out by Felipe Efrain, but Efrain lost, I mean, Efrain missed weight. His opponent, Justin Tank Scoggins, 11-5 overall from Spartanburg, South Carolina, USA, 5'7", 125 and a half with a 66-inch reach, age 26, born May 2nd, 1992. He is a Kempo Karate practitioner who is coming into Ryzen off the back of a 4-5 and five UFC record. So, first of all, before I ask who do you think is going to win this fight, what are your thoughts about this fight? Man, guy wants to go fight in Japan. You know, it's a dream for all these guys. The pageantry, the in, the show opening to say I did it. Because, you know, it gets sort of in this sort of UFC-centric and Bellator somewhat centric West. You know, it's not like the fighters. They know where the other home of mixed martial arts is. They know where the legends fought, where the, the great clashes happened under the least restrictive rules. So for a lot of these guys, it's a dream, you know, just to be a part of it, plus, plus money. Money is nice for mm-hmm. fighting, so it's a good opportunity for him. And, you know, they love to bring in a Westerner and be like, come on, <laughs> you know, come on in, and hopefully our guy will just clock you, and everyone will cheer, and we'll get another domestic name out of it. Joseph, what do you think? Sure. Yeah, it's like we're, we're going to put some bait out. We're going to lure all the UFC people out. Come here, come here. <laughs> you want money, right? Yeah, come here. <laughs> and it goes wrong sometimes. I mean, with Crazy Horse, when they brought him out to put over um, uh, Silva's... Uh, Kimura. Uh, well, right. Knocked him right out. Guy tried some leaping shit. Arlovsky style and got knocked right out. And uh, that went all sideways. It was a great moment, though. I mean, it was one of the greatest moments, I think, in the history of the sport. It was just so surreal. Yeah, and it, it was, was pretty... And it was also moment. really funny. I had the walkout, and it all went wrong. But 
So we laughed. Yeah, but they were it was a great back. moment, but obviously felony Charles Bennett has not won a damn fight since then. Really? <laughs> they're hiring yeah. him, you know, they to be exciting and crazy and a character. You know, like Bob Sapp, like he get, he's going to win or lose, he's going to get fights when he wants them, he's a big name, and he's kind of notoriously entertaining in his own way, whether it's intentional or not. So. Do you think that, that Justin Scoggins, though, is is a, um, uh, the type of fighter that, now, is everybody familiar with, with seeing him as a fighter in UFC, by any chance? Does anybody recall any of his fights? Uh, well, well kind of hard to when they, you know, when there's barely any coverage on the flyweights. Exactly, exactly, but, um... And plus, the dude went four and five overall in the octagon, so, nah. <laughs> So it sounds like everybody's well. Everybody's picking Matoya to win this. Well, we're not basically saying oh Matoya is going to win this. We're basically saying that if Justin Scoggins displays the type of athleticism that he did in those five losses that he had in the UFC, he's going to get annihilated. And obviously, the Tapology fan base are saying sixty-seven percent to thirty-three percent that Matoya is going to win this fight. Hmm. I'm gonna me. I'll say this: the flyweights that or the UFC flyweights that are that have joined um, Ryzen, um, they're gonna have to have a, they're gonna have to they're gonna have a lot to prove since you know since you know the US gave you know the flyweights no love at all. So they're gonna have a, they're gonna have a lot to prove, especially in in Japan where flyweights is like king in Japan. True, true, very true. But here's the thing: also when That's you when dynamic stuff. Yeah, and especially when you don't need to draw off one name. I think I think that Sir Goggins is being sold sold short here. I think I think he can put on a really competitive fight against uh, Matoya. I don't think I don't think he's I don't think he's a he's an, a fire to sleep on. I know that he has a, he's on a three three loss win sh- uh, losing streak. Excuse me. Um, but I th- I think he's a I think he's a lot better than a lot of people uh, get, uh, give him credit for. Or they're not giving credit for. More likely to take it. You think he's more likely to take? I th- I think th- I I think this f- I can see this fight going like the full distance three uh to uh three decision uh, to the uh, three rounds to a decision. They're both great yeah, fighters. Yeah, he has to reach for the brass ring. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Reach for the reach for the brass ring on the on the ropes. Um, okay. So let's so votes. Who's so I'm not. I'm gonna stay in the middle. I don't know. I guess I'll go with the guy who's got all the momentum. He's only got the one loss in his last billion fights. So, <clears throat> what do you guys think? I think Montoya is going to win this, but only if Justin Scoggins decides, "Hey, you know, this is going to be a vacation for me. I don't care how I fight." The thing to note also, though, is that uh, that that Montoya has won uh, a lot of his fights by choke and. So far, the only only times that uh, Scoggins has been finished is with a variation of a choke submission. That's also something uh-huh. that should be noted. So, you know, if Scoggins is has you know worked on that submission defense, especially for chokes, um, he he can win. I think I think he does. He can have a chance to win this. He is he is a strong guy at one twenty five. He's he's sh- he's short and stout, as they say. Yeah, and uh, I can, and um, if you do, if I don't know if anybody saw his last fight against Saeed Nurmagomedov, I think he won that fight. Do you remember that fight, Christian? No. Uh, to be honest, no, I don't because I don't really watch that many UFC cards. Okay. Oh uh, well, it was one of those ones where 
you kind of wondered what the hell did the judges see where where Skagas was dominating and it looked like Nurmagomedov got one round uh, that he won in his favor, but somehow in the judges' eyes won all uh, one one by split decision, I should say. Um, I think uh, you know I'm gonna I'm, this is the one where I might be the odd man out. I'm gonna pick Scoggins on this, um, especially if if he is you know if he like you like Teep said if he comes in it's not a vacation you know if he if he's got that if he's still got that flyweight fire. You know, as well, keep in mind, he's not cutting weight all the way down to 125. It's only down to 132, was it, Christian? Yeah, 132 pounds. 60, I mean, 132 pounds, which I think is like 60 kilos. Yeah, so, you know, he's not cutting too much weight, so, you know, I was, I, you know it's very rare for flyweights to get tired anyway. But, like, you know, it'll probably be better on his system as well. Hopefully he doesn't have jet lag. Um... I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna pick Scoggins to win this. I think he, I, I'm, I'm gonna be probably the minority in this. I don't blame you, dude. I can understand that, but I just hope this fight will be something incredible. If Scoggins doesn't treat this like a vacation and treat it more like a serious fight, Joseph, yeah, what well about you? Have any thoughts? Hey guys, I just got one thing to ask. What is this? An audition, basically, for uh, Scoggins to get into one championship? They're signing up people that way. <laughs> this basically serves as well, his audition. Well, well, right, well, Ryzen's been after flyweights too. Well, here's what Justin Scoggins told me that he's that he has. that he has four fight that he after this fight he has four more fights. Uh, I believe it was yeah, it was four through 2019. So. Oh right. He doesn't right, have right because Andrew, I think you did interview Scoggins for the We Are Rising podcast, and that interview is available on SoundCloud. But you're right. Scoggins did sign a four-fight deal, starting with this Motoya fight. Okay. Okay, yeah. So then he would have yeah, three more because, fights uh, after this. Yeah, because I feel in terms of talent, like Ryzen and One are going to be at war trying to grab or trying to grab talent. Definitely. Yeah, them and Kombachi Americas as well. They're making plays. There are a lot of, there are a lot of companies around the world making targeted stabs at talent. It's a, it's a it's a great time right now to be a fighter compared to yeah, some. You know, yeah, because Ryzen, yeah, Ryzen don't give a damn about the UFC right now because they're taking people from UFC anyway. <laughs> but their their concern right now is with one. Right, one's going to try and come in heavy. But, you know, for me, I just look at it like as long as these companies find a way to endure and new companies emerge in the market, the fans win when they are. The more they're competing, the more we win. And, you know, they form, and form relationships like... Um... Like Bellator and Ryzen seem to have had. It, you know, it was funny because I thought they had a relationship like a few years ago, but then that, I don't know, nothing really happened through that. And now it seems like it's now like back in. Uh, how, yeah, uh, how much would I bet uh, Scott Coker forgot all about the uh, their relationship? And he was like, oh shit, I forgot I have this partnership with Ryzen that I could use. Uh-huh. I, think, I think now they've, they have a lot going on in their divisions. They finally sort of matured to the point where they have some room to play around. They have multiple contenders at different weights that you could argue for and so they can do something a little extra they can do some sort of fun fights like bring the crow cop i'm gonna see crow cop live that's like a dream come true right there mm-hmm. you know just a one-off fight with roy nelson it doesn't necessarily mean anything other than it'll probably be the greatest fan experience in my life now also um when i talked to scoggins as well he said he would like to also do some kickboxing fights in uh Ryzen. and he mentioned tension as a possible opponent. And he, oh, you know what? That uh, would be good, cool. Man, uh, good luck with that one. 
That would be pretty cool. He is a kickboxer. He started off as a kickboxer. That's he didn't start out in MMA or uh, jiu-jitsu. He started out as in uh, in uh, kickboxing when he was. Um, oh, right for, as he fought for like a, did he fight for like K one or Glory? Oh no, no, he was. I don't think he did. He was. He was. He was, he was like sixteen. He's only twenty six, uh, Scoggins. He was. He was still. Uh, he was still a kid, I think, when uh. When K one was in its uh, was what is that uh, peak? Uh-huh. So Jay, he said was he was like doing um, points of semi contact like trouser kickboxing. Yeah, 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 like yeah, like that. Uh, basically, yeah. He uh, as far as I know, he hasn't had any like pro kickboxing matches or amateur, but he's done he's done that that, that type of kickboxing, I believe. Yeah, and he's also. Um, I'm pretty sure he has had amateur experience. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a lot of kickboxing traction coming out of Spartanburg, South Carolina, of all places. Yeah, yeah, we have Spartanburg. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I got—I actually got to tell you guys this. There was like this, I guess, one of these small MMA promotions I went to, and uh, when I when I used to stay in South Carolina, and they actually were doing kickboxing in an octagon. <laughs> wow. That's Cage what's up. kickboxing. That's weird. That's just oh, that's really weird. I wonder, can you clinch in dirty box and stuff, or is it more like, oh, you just one second clinch or whatever? No, 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 I was clinching a uh, dirty box. That's actually kind of cool. Yeah, that is kind of cool. But enough about all that. Let's go on to the fourth fight of this card. Shinju Juju Nozawa Oclair versus Justina Sophia Haba. This fight will be contested at 126 pounds. Or, I think, 58 kilos. Now, the the particulars, first of all. Shinju Juju Nozawa Oclair, 25 years old, born October the 29th, 1993. Fighting out of San Francisco, California, by way of Scorpion Fighting System in Fowlerville, Michigan, USA. She's 5'8", 123.9 pounds. And both of her wins, both of them, come by way of armbar, defeating Sheena star Brandenburg in July of 2017 and defeating Chelsea Legrasse last New Year's Eve. This will be her first fight in over a year because over this year, over the course of this year, she had to deal with shoulder surgery, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, that's correct. So this is going to be tough for her to shake off the ring rust. Her opponent... Justina Sofia Hava fighting out of Reslo, Poland, Gracie Barra Reslo, R-Z-E-S-Z-O-W. She is 1-0 as an amateur competitor, but that fight was all the way back in August of 2014, defeating Cheryl Flynn via guillotine choke. Who knows what the hell she's done over the last four years? All we know is that this is her professional MMA debut, so... I just got to ask, do you think the fighter with one year off of fighting is going to take charge over the fighter who hasn't fought in four years? There is something I did hear, though. I think it was either when Shinju was on Kumite Radio. It was either with Kumite Radio or when she was talking to James Lynch. I guess somebody looked into her opponent. I think she, they said that you know she was a um, had, a, had a military background. Oh, right, right. I think, uh, I mean... I don't know if you probably heard about this more than I have, T, but yeah, I think Justina does have a military background. 
Oh, I have no idea. And you know the and you know the military people they train in them grappling combat arts. Mm -hmm. Right, they just tough. They toughen up. Tough people, tough mindset. So obviously, that's probably why she hasn't had a fight in four years because she was in the Polish military. So who you guys picking in this one? You have you lean one way or the other? I mean, I I think you go ahead, Joseph. I think I might go with Justine on this, but there's a lot of unknowns in this fight, though. But you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't underestimate anybody who came from from the milit from the military who was who, who fought in the military combat, right? I mean, I have to agree with you, Joseph. But if you look at Shinju Oclair, I mean, if you look at Shinju Nozawa Oclair, she was two and one as an amateur competitor. She won one fight via decision. She won her other fight via knockout, obviously lost due to an illegal up kick. But she's excelled well as a pro. And the only thing that has stopped her was that shoulder surgery she had back in January. Had she not, you know, dealt with that shoulder surgery or if she was A-OK coming off of the Chelsea LeBras fight last year, I think she would have probably been a bigger star in Ryzen now than say, Reina Kubota or Kana Sakura. Well, to be fair, uh, you so, know, Shinju hiding the uh, the injury from Ryzen didn't do her any favors. Yeah, true, but... Because she did say, I think, in that James... Le- I think it was with the James Lee interview that she actually hid the injury from Ryzen. Oh, right. So, in other words, when it came down to last year, she was fighting with that injury. She just yeah. aggravated it a little bit. Yeah, she didn't tell uh, Takata or Sakiabara about it. Well, that's usually, uh, that's usually common. You know, a lot of fighters tend to just hide injuries, you know, uh, what, before their fights. Even it's, it's even done in the UFC. I'm pretty sure Bellator that's that's happened as well. Right, uh, Teep? Uh, has there ever been a uh, documented case where fights, a fight? From what I've seen, fighters uh, say, you know, there's no camp where you don't hurt something to some degree. So they all go in there feeling a bit banged up, even if it's even if it's minor. It's just it's part of the camp. It's part of this, unless you're not sparring and you're just bubble wrapped. So yeah, I mean, pretty much everyone goes in with some sort of either lingering or recent pain. So like you know, in a more extreme case, like, oh, I had a fractured foot. I just kept it to myself. And, I did uh, uh, do some research on oh. Justine Haba. Uh, you can find some of her amateur fights. I don't even know if you would even call them that on YouTube. And they were they were they're clearly in Poland because they're speaking Polish and I have no idea what they're saying. But the cage, if you could if you could believe this, the the cage is set up on what looks like a boardwalk because the background is nothing but is is a is there's like a river in the background and you can see like uh, jet skis as well. So wherever she was doing her MMA fights, before uh, amateur fights, it was on some boardwalk in Poland. And uh, wow, that. Man, that's the true, epi- the true epitome, of, the true epitome of backyard MMA. Now, and here, the, now the fights that I saw, you know, they're wearing headgear and they're wearing kick pads uh, since they're amateur. Uh, the only way I can only I can tell her apart from the other woman was that she has a, a, a large tattoo on her left arm, which is very distinctive. Because um, most of the time, it was like women with black hair who were fighting, and you just and I could not tell the difference who was who. Um, but from what I'm able to gather from these fights is that she has skills that are that are obviously higher than her opponents at an amateur level. 
But I don't know at a pro level if her if these skills will translate as well against somebody like um, Shinju Nozawa Claire, who is is so far you know two and zero finishes all finishes in Ryzen. Um, can't believe that they're bringing Haba over just to uh, you know to put uh, to they're not bringing her over to win. I don't think. I would presume not. I don't know, man. Look, man, you never know. You know what I mean? Because I think maybe, I think maybe she had, maybe had. I'm gonna guess maybe she had those amateur fights maybe before she went to the military. Uh, well, I could see when they were posted. I don't know if they were. Uh, uh if, if uh, when were they posted these videos? Um, they were posted because if there was a year that we know that she, that she was in the military and for how long? Okay, these were posted. They were post posted three years ago. Um, okay. so that would be around like twenty fifteen ish. And her last when was her first amateur fight uh, on a record, uh, Christian? Uh, if I'm not mistaken. The first amateur fight on record was back in August of 2014. Okay. So, hmm. It's possible, well, if she, does that mean she'd be presumably only in the Army for about two to three years, I'm guessing? Probably, probably. I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, I just have to why, go. That, yeah, that, that's why this is going to be tricky because, you know, um, Shinji is pretty much fighting an unknown here. Oh no, that's 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 that that makes it interesting in, in many ways because you know how do you how do you how do you prepare for a fighter how you don't know how they fight if there's no tape of them other than like three three fights in a boardwalk in in Poland. Yeah, that's all you pretty much have to go off of. They're like you know military ain't gonna be putting videos of combat training. Mm-hmm. Um. Not. I still have to go with Shinju in this fight. I think I. I, I'm presu- I'm presuming that she that that Haba's brought over being brought over to lose, and I think that Shinju, from just from what I've seen from her other fights, you know, I'm presuming will be the better fighter in this case. That's really all I can go by, really. Yeah, I think you know, I think this one is going to be like the wait and see. Yeah, um, and also Ryzen wants wants Shinju to be a big thing for them, considering she's the daughter of um, what's the name of the comedian that she's a. Uh, She's the daughter of a Christian? I think her name is Naoko Nozawa. That was it, yeah, Naoko Nozawa. And you know, they wanna get they wanna get those highlights of, of her of her mother, you know, cheering on her daughter, you know, like they've been doing for her other fights. Um, makes for good television. Um Yeah. I, I think I think the Tapology people are also in agreement that probably they picked Nozawa as well, right? Oh yeah, ninety six to four for Shinju Juju Nozawa Claire over Justina Hama. I know you you can't really blame people for picking someone who they already know over somebody who they don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think it seems to be going on a lot. Yeah, it's just I mean yeah. it's like an unknown prophet. There there are unknown unknowns and there are known things that we don't know that we don't know. <laughs> So I guess what they're trying to say is they'd rather pick somebody that they already know about and just, I mean, in Shinju Eau Claire rather than Justina Haba, who nobody really any know anything about unless you're big into Polish women's MMA. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> true. Hey, fellas, I got to bounce out. Oh, you do? Okay, T. But I, real I, quick, real quick, I, what? What are your thoughts on the Kyoshi Horiguchi Darian Caldwell fight? 
Well, I think I think Caldwell, he's enormous. He's like for 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 his weight class, he's like 5'10", 74 inch wingspan, and uh, Ace Wrestler trains um, around crews and guys like that. But and I think he uh, he would have an advantage in the cage, but in the in the ring, Haraguchi has mobility and his his sort of direction changes and things like that translate very well to the ring. So I'm actually going to go with Gucci, but uh, it's by no means certain. I'm a bit thick, so I could be totally wrong. He could go in there and just fold him in half, but I do think that the angles and things like that is going to favor, under pride rules, it's going to favor Haraguchi a little bit. But if, if they rematch Bellator, there's a rematch clause in Bellator. I would favor Calvo by a lot in, in the cage. All right, I can understand that. Other than that, I know you have to go. And, where, where, uh, uh, before you go, Teep, where can people uh, find you on uh, on Twitter? At Teep to the Junk. All one word, no underscores or anything. You can come troll me. Uh, come find me there, and uh, I'll see you guys on there. I just have to. I have to get back to the thing I was doing. No problem, Teep. I do appreciate you uh, taking the time out. Yeah, before I find myself in a bout, I didn't anticipate, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, that's fine, that's fine. Okay, dude, okay. See you later, and I hope we can get you on for the review after this event is over. I would love to, I would love to. All right, guys, respect. Thank you, Teep. All right, see you, Teep. But, yeah, back back to the Nozawa Oclair justine Haba fight. I think that Nozawa Oclair might win this because... It's better to pick somebody that you already know about than somebody that you have no idea who she is about, pretty much. Exactly, yeah. Okay, so now that we're basically, you know, moving on from that fight, we're moving on to the fifth fight on this card, and that's the future princess Mika Nagano versus... Crazy Bee's Fighting Queen Bee, Miyu Yamamoto, which is crazy to be surprised because she is going to be on the same card as her son, Ersin Yamamoto. But still, enough about, I mean, we're, we're going to talk about that later, but for right now, the particulars. The future princess, Mika Nagano, she's fought Mugumi Fuji twice in Smack Girl and if I'm not mistaken, she also fought her in jewels. Yeah, you're okay. you're correct. Bo- both in jewels. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, smack. But Nagano, who will turn 35 by the time this fight happens, she was born on December 29th, 1983, in Gifu, Japan. Five three, one hundred and fourteen point four pounds, fighting out of the core fight camp. In Kita, Tokyo, Japan, her opponent, the woman formerly known by me as Milfi Miyu, <laughs> five one hundred seven point seven pounds, age forty four, born August the fourth, nineteen seventy four, originally from Kawasaki, Kanagawa, Japan. This former two time All Japan Amateur Women's Wrestling Champion fights out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. But hails from her old, but hails from her little brother's Crazy Bee Camp, the late great Kid Yamamoto's Crazy Bee Camp in Tokyo, Japan. Now, obviously, Nagano has a ton of experience compared to her overmatched opponent, Miyu Yamamoto, who is 
I'm not mistaken. Load up, load up. Oh, wait. Yeah, let me go ahead and check. Miyu is two, two and three, three, and three in MMA. Three and three. Miyu is three and three. Nagato is sixteen, ten and one. But do you think that Miyu could pull off the upset in honor of her little brother? What do you think, Joseph? I think it's possible. Huh. And you're I, basically. I, 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 I think this is possible. I think. You know, since, you know, she did, you know... Is she still doing her training in, like, in that camp in Brazil? Uh, actually, no, she never trained in Brazil. She was actually training in Guam for her last... Oh, yeah, 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 Guam. I forgot about that. Hmm. It's been a while since I've seen that that Rise of Confessions episode. And you remember why she was training in Guam? Because that's where, um, that's where a kid was getting, uh, treatment for his cancer. Um, which, you know, she had made the connection, um, in hindsight. But, yeah, uh-huh. that's... Yeah, yeah, never, you never. I never, never went over my head. It totally went over my head. Oh, kids, kids, there getting treatment for uh, his uh, his illness. I wonder. I wonder if you've been training in Guam uh, uh, since or since since, uh, since kids passing. Do you know anything yeah, about that? I, she, I mean, to be honest, I think she probably has been training in Guam since kid passed away because she feels more secure there. What do you mean by secure? I mean, she feels more at peace with herself there, is what I'm trying to say. Ah, oh, I see, I see, okay, okay. Um, also, just want to bring up some uh, about uh, Mika Nagano. She's also a professional wrestler, right, uh, Christian? Uh, yes, yeah, she's actually competed in Ice Ribbon and Stardom, World Wondering Stardom, where she competed... At one, I mean, once upon a time for the World of Stardom Championship in a, I mean, in a tournament, I think. Was this the Cinderella tournament? No, it was. It no, was no, no, no. Like, Cinderella. The the Cinderella tournament is the is um. What, the, what what can I compare the Cinderella tournament to? That's not their G one, is it? No, 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 no. The five star Grand Prix is the G one. Okay, okay, that, is that's the, is there is there a G one? I'm gonna I'm gonna see, and I could be wrong. Uh, the Cinderella tournament can maybe be like you know maybe new, like maybe New Japan Cup equivalent or something. Oh, okay, uh, so wrong. single elimination type type deal. Uh huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that one. Yeah, it's I think the Cinderella tournament. I think is single elimination. But if there's anybody who watch it who's more familiar uh, with Stardom, uh, please like correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, uh, I'm not. Unfortunately, my Stardom knowledge is very, very minuscule. I know I'm not. You know, for the people who you know who uh, who 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 listen to this, who who do, do watch Stardom, like you know, please correct me if I'm wrong. Okay, um, mm-hmm. but uh, going back to uh, this fight, um, I see Miyu winning. Yeah, going back to the fight, when it comes down to Miko Nagano, she's only gonna be. I mean, she's basically fighting her third fight this year and her second fight in a month mm-hmm. because she. Fought Tanya Hoffman at Deep Jewels 22 to a majority drawback on December 1st. Yeah. And now, about a good four weeks later, she's going to be fighting against a competitor who's very well known in Japan for her celebrity status and for her family status. I mean, basically, she's fighting wrestling royalty. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, I... 
from what I see of Nagano, she's a good fighter against fighters that are not as good. And huh. I, I mean, Miyu has improved a lot since um since her her last loss uh, against uh, I think it was uh, Irene Cabello uh, in the um in the uh, Atomweight tournament. And yeah, she was holding her, and she was holding her own against Irene Cabello. If it wasn't for you know the wardrobe malfunction, she mm. she would have gotten out of that armbar. I felt. Oh, that's true. That's true. Um, mm-hmm. I think I you know I could see I can see Miyu winning this uh, winning this easily. I think uh, obviously you know takedown takedowns are what's going to be Miyu's best friend uh, in this match, and she can just you know wrestle. Just, just smother and wrestle her opponent. I think Miyu wins this very easily. Whether she finishes or not, I don't know. Um, yeah, that's. I think that's my thoughts on this fight. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, I mean, I said on the last Rising podcast, I mean Rising preview podcast, that I thought that this fight between her and Andy Nguyen back on. September 30th was going to be more like a sympathy fight because the fans basically voted for Miyu to win off of a sympathy vote. This time, not so much. Even though the fans got it 70 to 30 for Yamamoto, I think this isn't isn't going to be a sympathy fight. I think Miyu is going to try and take charge of this fight because of the fact that, you know... Like you said, Miyu, I mean, Mika Nagano is a good fighter against not-so-good fighters. But obviously, Miyu has fought some tough competition in Reina Kubota, in Andy Nguyen, in Casey Robb, in Irene Cabello Rivera, and in Saori Ishioka. So, you know, He's going to be looking for the win by Mi- any means necessary. Miyu seems to lose when she puts herself in, in, in obvious positions to be submitted. That's what I've learned from watching her fights. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it did happen almost in the uh, Ishioka fight where she got that, she, Ishioka got that armbar on her. But uh, it looked like um, Miyu was able to, to either be flexible enough or get into a position where it wasn't that much pressure on her arm. Um it, it it as long as she doesn't get into a position where she can be submitted, I I I think that Miyu takes this fight. Hey, I I mean I agree with. Yeah, you. I feel the same way, and I mean, and remember what happened to Salary after that? You know, Miyu broke her spirit. Huh? Exactly. What did the Tapology fans say? I mean, it's like I said, the Tapology faithful are saying seventy percent for Miyu Yamamoto. Oh, that little? I'm actually surprised it's actually that little. I'm, I thought it would be a little more up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Shall we go to the next fight? Yeah, sure. Okay, the next fight is going to be a lightweight contest. 70 kilos, 155 pounds. The Detroit superstar Darren Crookshank oh, yeah. versus Damian Beatdown Brown. The particulars, first of all, Darren J. Crookshank, 5'8", 154.4, with a 72-inch reach. Born on June the 11th, 1985, in Westland, Michigan, USA, age 33. Finding out a Michigan top team in Detroit. He is 22-10 and 10 overall, with one no contest. And inside the Ryzen ring, he's been fighting there since April 2016, 
he has gone six and two overall in rising competition. With those two losses, obviously finishes to Satomu Kitaoka and Yusuke Yachi fights. I would fights that, to be honest, I think would have made. No, wait, actually, he's five and two in rising. My bad. But still, I think a fight between Darren Cruikshank and either Yusuke Yachi or Satoru Kitaoka again would have made a lot more sense. But seeing the fact that this fight that we're about to talk about has been booked for months, has been billed for months, it pretty much makes sense. Now, for the particulars on his opponents, Damian beat down Brown by 10, 156 pounds with a 68 and a half inch reach. Born Christmas Day, 1984. He will be 34 by the time this fight happens. Fighting out of Brisbane, Queensland, Australia. Representing integrated... I'll take over from what Christian was saying. He fights for uh, integrated MMA uh, in Australia, of course. And uh, he is on a currently on a three-fight losing streak. Um, with his last win coming back in actually 2016 of November, so been two years since he's actually since he's won a fight and that was a split decision against John Tuck in UFC. Um uh yeah oh, basically Christian. like I was saying yeah I I I I feel sorry I I I fit I saw but you're you're uh it's, you're gonna it's say, okay it's okay I understand okay point of the matter is Damian Brown was two and three inside the octagon I okay. think let's see Crookshank was Hold on one second. And six with one no contest inside the octagon. Okay. Um, six and one. Uh, but, but still, what are your thoughts about this fight and who do you think is going to win this? What do you think, Joseph? Wait, hold on, guys. I'll oh. be, hold on, guys. I'll be right back. Okay. Um, okay. I think this will, this has the potential to be fight of the year uh, or fight of the night, I should say. Maybe fight of the year. Who knows? Um, hey, hey, it could be fight of the year because obviously... Maybe it would be the fight of the year for 2019, as far as the lightweight division goes. Yeah, it's, it's quite possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they're both. You know, Darren. We know how he how he works standing up. You know, he's a he's a beast standing up. This, you know, his last fight against Brandau, you know, knocking him out the way he did was absolutely scary as fuck. Um. Uh, Brown though, Brown's not really uh, you know he puts on exciting fights, but I think he might be better on the ground than uh, Crookshank. Question is, how does Brown get a former uh, NCAA wrestler? Um, I don't was he uh, Division One, Division Two, Crookshank? Uh, I think he was Division Two, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, uh, how do you you that getting someone down to the ground like that is much more easier said than done. So. Exactly. But I would have to say that probably Darren Cruikshank wins this fight. I think this is a very, very tough matchup for Damian Brown. Um, I, I, you know, I think it's interesting that this fight has been worked on by Ryzen for a few months. I kind of think it's a little bit strange that, you know, you put a, a fighter who's 3-0 against a fighter who is, uh, who is uh, 4-0 as of now. Um, that's just me, though. Not just me. Um, yeah, but if you think about it, Damian Brown's going to be in his Ryzen debut. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, Crookshank has fought a lot more often when it comes down to Ryzen and has 
you know, made that promotion pretty much his own. Oh yes, you know, everybody loves it. He comes down to the to the uh, Hulk Hogan theme song, I'm a real American. He's got the gimmick down he's got the Don, Don Fry gimmick down to a T. Um <laughs> Yeah, you know, I regardless this will be an exciting fight, I think. I think it'll be uh, it'll it'll be a fan a, a fight that the fans will be the true winners in the end. Oh yeah, and the tap all families think it'll be an exciting fight. By the way, welcome back, Joseph. But the Tapology fan base are basically saying that Darren Crookshanks got this one in the bag, ninety-six percent out of one hundred, compared to Damian Brown only getting four percent. Oh, so Joseph, what are your thoughts on this uh, Crookshank uh, Damian Brown match? All right, but I'm thinking this ain't going to be no scientific um, MMA fight. I'm thinking there, it's going to be, you know, guns blazing. That, that's bad for Brown in that case, if that's what happens. I could see him being knocked out by a Crookshank. I, yeah, I think I heard him. I think he did an interview with James Lynch this month. I think he was saying he's willing to, I think he's willing to throw down with Crookshank. Oh yeah, no. He told me he basically told me the same thing in the uh, uh, not in the exact words, but yeah, that he's he's looking to put on an exciting fight for the uh, for the fans, and um, I'm gonna get yeah, that. So yeah, so I'm thinking he's probably gonna go in, you know, guns blazing. This will not be a five star MMA match. This is gonna be like you know just straight you know violence. Do you think this, uh, exactly. Chris, Christian Joseph? Do you think this uh, fight goes beyond round one, round two? Do you think it goes? All three rounds, do you think, or what do you think about that? If it goes it's, beyond, it's, oh, go ahead, Joseph. It's, I, I, I predict that it's gonna. I think this is all. This is gonna stay in round one. I think yeah, so too. If it goes beyond round one, it's gonna be a miracle. Yeah. Um. What? Uh. You know. Uh, the only way. The only way I can see this match not not you know not ending in round one is if. If he if he is fighting Crookshank guns blazing, and then he realizes, oh crap, this guy is hitting me a lot harder. I'm gonna have to change my game plan. Try to take him down uh, and try to submit him. That's the only that's yeah. that's, that's the way I can see Damian Brown winning. Yeah, time to go for Plan B. Um, what about uh, after this fight? Uh, presuming Crookshank wins, who do you put him up against next? Um, to be honest. When it comes down to that fight, when it comes down to who Crookshank or Brown would face after that fight, I think the best option would be for Crookshank would be fighting Yusuke Yachi again, which we're going to get into when it comes down to the second half of the card. But obviously, Crookshank wants that win. I mean, Crookshank wants that fight against Yachi back because of how he got knocked out by him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, wait. I got an idea. Um, what if they, why don't you put him against the guy who beat Yachi, uh, Luis Gustavo? Oh, 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 now that would be a absolute banger. You know, oh. you put him against the man who beat, um, you, who, who beat Yusuke Yachi and then do the, 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 the Yusuke rematch. Um. Now that, that would be a fun fight, Joseph. I would basically pay good money to see that. Brown uh, told me he wants to fight Gomi after. Oh, now you know I wonder. It, you know I wonder since they're doing since you know rumor is you know the lightweight Grand Prix if it happens right. Um, do you think they would put you know uh, if Darren uh, assuming if 
Darren uh, still stays with Ryzen. That you know that would dare that you know Darren, um, Damien, Gomi, and them would be in the lightweight uh, Grand Prix. Oh yeah, probably so. I think they definitely will be. I mean, you know, um, unless unless you know, one snatches, you know, throw Louis, yeah, you know, throw Luis Gustavo in there. Well, here's the thing about Gustavo as well. He's not a 155er. He was actually he's a 145er, but he took that that 150 that Yachi match on uh, on a week's nose or something. If you look at the if you look at if you watch the fight again, and I noticed this when I saw it, when I first watched it, Gustavo is significantly smaller than uh, Yachi. Yeah, but yeah, he would probably yeah, he, he, more featherweight than lightweight. Yeah, so yeah, I don't know if he... Not, yeah, and he not freaking um, Yachi the next week. I don't know if he would want to fight again at, at uh, 155 um, at, to make that his thing. Maybe he wants to stick out, stick out at 145. Yeah, I kind of agree with you on that. Um, now, the next fight... The next fight that we're going to talk about, and it's going to close out the first half of the card, might also have some lightweight tournament implications if they decide to do a lightweight tournament. And that fight is also at 154 pounds. Nobumisu Tyson Osawa, veteran of Shuto, Fik Musayev of Azerbaijan. First of all, the particular Osawa. 574.5-69.3-inch-reach-wait-a-minute-come-on-god-damn-it-y'all-can-still-hear-me-right-yep-yeah-yeah-yeah-yeah-like-I-was-so-yeah-like-I-was-saying-nobumisu-tyson-osaw
Um, you know, very similar to um, to um, uh, uh, oh, who was the uh, the Kazakhstani fighter uh, who fought uh, last time? I'm forgetting his name. Dotheb, Dotbek. Yeah, Katsuya Dotbek. Dotbek, yeah. Uh, you know, he had he had wins against guys who were mostly zero and zero, zero and one, more, more losses than wins, and uh-huh. Musayev's record kind of reflects that. Um, except for his last two matches, uh, where the opponents had more wins and losses, but most of his other matches have been by, uh, have been against people who don't have, uh, good records. And the ones that he, that did have good records beat him in a, uh, beat him in matches. Um, so, sorry, Joseph? Joseph? Joseph. Yeah, weird damn signal. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Um, and but uh, can you tell us tell us a little bit about um Osawa, um about him as a fighter, uh, Christian? Uh, yeah. Well, when it comes down to. Osawa, and I'm looking back at his career trajectory through topology right now. But still, he is a long-time veteran of Shudo. He is the 2013 Shudo rookie tournament winner. Not only is Nobumisu Tyson Osawa a former Shudo tournament winner, but he also fought on the UFC Road to Japan show where he lost to eventual finalist Mizuto Pukni Sirota, the same guy that got his arm snapped by Shinya Oki and got flipped off by. Okay, why does he go by nickname Tyson? Oh, probably because of the fact that, much like a young Mike Tyson in his prime, Nobumisu Osawa probably has a lot of punching power. Because I'm looking at his record, he does have a few knockouts, but most of them... He doesn't have he doesn't have as many knockouts as I would expect somebody who would I would think would go by the nickname Tyson. Yeah, that is true. Um also, So I mean what do you think the what do you think the end goal of this fight is? Because it seems like kind of like a random fight. It it seems it seems like I'm trying to figure out what you know, because I try to figure out like why they why this fight is booked for any of these fights. And I'm trying to think, you know, is this is this just for, is it made to figure out uh, someone to be in the uh, 155 tournament? Or what do you think? Probably so, because if you think about it, no, I mean, if, I mean, they've been thinking about a lightweight tournament for a while now, but obviously that press conference they have when they put out the list of all the bouts for the rising card, with the exception of the Mayweather and Asakawa fights, I mean, Obviously, it would be cool to see fighters like Anobumisu Tyson Osawa or Tofi Musaya face off against the toughest competition in the world. But it would be crazy to see that because obviously Nobumisu Tyson Osawa is not known for his knockout power. And obviously, we don't know much about Tofi Musaya other than the fact that he's an Azerbaijani fighter. With a nine-fight winning streak dating back to 2015, according to Tapology. 
And it's so funny, I'm looking at the Tapology uh, predictions, uh, what, the, what they're saying. They picked Musayev overwhelmingly over Osawa, despite being the lesser-known fighter. So yeah, 90-10, but I think it's mostly because of the fact that obviously Musayev has more finishing power than Osawa, despite Osawa's nickname. Do you think, though, that, that maybe Osawa could have the home, home, home team advantage? Yeah, home country advantage in this case, but I don't know if working with a guy like Musayev, he still has not power. Hmm. I don't, this is a tough fight to pick. This is a. I don't. It's. Oh, Joseph, are you back? Yeah, yeah, I'm back. Okay, uh. There's a little bit of static on your ends. I know, I gotta, like. Find a place where there's not the much, because there's gonna be static pretty much everywhere. Okay. Uh, we were talking about Musayev and Osawa. Um. Do you have any thoughts on this fight? Hmm. I don't have, since, you know, because so, personally, I'm not familiar with, with either of these guys. I feel like that's what most people, that's what most people are going into this fight. Nobody knows really enough about them. Even Osawa, who's on the, uh, who fought for UFC at, at once and is with Shuto, and uh, Shuto cards are on UFC Fight Pass, if I'm correct, right? Yep. Huh. And Shuto... Yeah, Shudo and freaking, um... You know, it's not, you know... Shudo and Hankrace are on the UFC Fight Pass, if I remember. You know, mm-hmm. just, you know, like, pick, if you put a gun to my head and I have to pick a winner, you know, I would have to go with Musayev, just based on what what I'm seeing, uh, based on the record. There's really, you know, I, and, I've seen the, and I've seen highlights of, of his fights, you know, uh, on YouTube. You can find them very easily. Um, he fights for, um, I think, is it, uh, the, um, is it the, uh, Burkut, um, what's the, the, uh, the Russian, uh, promotion, I'm trying to remember what it was, um, uh, AK- even though they now changed their name, sadly, to Absolute Championship Akmat. Ah, yes, that was it, that was it, yes, um. But, no, I don't think... What did I know is M1. <laughs> Let's see, but he fights for neither, I mean, but Musaya fights for neither of those promotions, if I'm mistaken. Um, and there, you also, there is a highlight of him on YouTube, which you can find very easily. Um, yeah, you know, you kind of, I just have to go by him just looking at his record. There's nothing really, uh, you know, I can't really go by anything else other than the fact that Musayev looks like he's, he's, he's on a nine-fight win streak, and I have to go by that. Uh-huh, and his last two fights, by the way, were in the World Fighting Championship Akmat promotion. That was it, yes. Which has since merged, which, which has since merged with ACB to form Absolute Championship Akmat. That was it, that was it, okay. Um, yeah, so do you have a pick, Christian? Eh, I think just for the sake of being dumb, I'm gonna go ahead and pick Osawa just to hope that he doesn't lose. You hope he doesn't lose? Do you hope he wins? Hey, if he can pull off an upset, it will be something. We'll have to see. You know, we'll have to see. A lot of these are fighters who they bring in from Mongolia, from Kazakhstan. They aren't doing too well. So I don't know. Maybe Azerbaijan will be the exception uh, in the uh, that that uh, the Slavic 
East Block. The former Eastern Block of the Soviet yeah, Union. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe. I, I feel like the never-ending. I feel like the never-ending saga. This guy trying to bring um, a good fighter from that from them continues. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Now, as we continue going with the second half of the card, we got a fight that's going to be well worth it at 130 pounds which is 57 and a half kilos. Former UFC flyweight contender Yuta Oka Sasaki, who's released from the UFC so close to his last UFC fight back in September was, well, actually back in November was pretty much crazy versus El Palajeo, Manel Cape. Now the particulars. Yuta Oka Sasaki, UFC Former UFC competitor, 5'10", sorry, excuse me, 125.5 pounds, but 71-inch reach. Born October the 7th, 1989 in Numazu, Shizuoka, Japan. Fighting out at Waijusu Keshukai Suga Dojo. He had a UFC record. No, he had a UFC record of, let's see, 2 and 2... Oh, yeah, he had a UFC record of 4-4 four and four overall. His last fight was back on November 17th, so close a month ago, losing to Alexandre Pantoja. His opponent, El Protejo Manuel K. 12-3 <clears throat> overall, 5-6 on 33 and a half. I mean, 133 and a quarter, age 25, born November 14th. 1993, finding out of Porto, Portugal. Oh, don't, sorry to interrupt, Christian. Don't forget, he changed his, uh, I don't think Tapology updated their uh, fight camp. He changed it to, uh, to uh, 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 Tiger Muay Thai. Oh, yeah. He's fighting out of, he's fighting out of Bangkok, Thailand by way of Old Porto, Portugal. Okay. But, yeah, Manel Cape is 3-2 and two inside the Rising Ring, obviously defeating... Ersin Yamamoto and Ian Uncle Creepy McCall in the Rising Bantamweight Grand Prix only to lose to Kiyoshi Horiguchi, then lose in controversial fashion at Rising 10 to Kaya Sakura, only to get a recent victory over Yusaku Nakamura via rear-naked choke. So, obviously, we got a guy who's went, we got a guy who went 8-8 eight and eight inside the octagon for the UFC, and is just coming back to Japan off of, you know, four years in the promotion, four years in the UFC, versus a guy in Cape. Oh, and uh, oh, and by the way, Sasaki's a former Shudo featherweight champion, but still, Cape is coming in probably with the advantage because he's been in the ring with Ryzen more. So, who do y'all got? Uh, also, I don't know. If- uh, I don't know if you mentioned this as well. You know that uh, Suzaki, he trains at Ray Longo, uh, Longo Weidman? Oh, right, out of New York City, right? I just learned that fact, like, last week. I couldn't believe it. Right, 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 because I did remember that he he was going to train out of New York City for a few UFC fights for his last two or three UFC fights. I think he still trains there, though. I don't think he. I don't think he switched out as far as, as I've heard. If he has, no, nobody told me. I see, but it is crazy though because I've only seen him 
I mean, I only seen him talk about being trained out of Sierra Longo fight team in New York City, you know, because of Twitter. I didn't see much anything about it as far as videos or as Twitter or topology goes. But yeah, <clears throat> it's crazy. Man, yeah, man, talking about being uh, super low key. Yeah, there was a, there was yeah. a video posted six days ago where uh, he's clearly in New York City or, or in, in the New York area. Um, they visited uh, a place in Long Island, and this was posted on, uh, I think it's his YouTube account or like a friend's YouTube account. But if you look up you, uh, Olka Sasaki, uh, this yeah, they they are they are walking through uh, Long Island um, in Woodbury. I'm well, assuming. It makes you wonder if that. You yeah, mean Long or Uniondale or Coney Island? Sorry, what was that, Christian? You mean Long Island City or No, no, Long Island, like Long Island, Long Island, not New York City, Long Island City, Long Island, like Nassau County, Suffolk, uh, that area. Oh, okay, okay, I get what you mean. Um, so I don't know. I don't. I, I'm assuming that this was taken like uh, within not that long ago. So I'm assuming that he's still in New York. I ha- there's nothing that I would have to. I can't see any. There's nothing that tells me that he's not there anymore. And yeah, there was a video. Uh, I have a video here where him we was training at Wyman Longo and Wyman's uh, school w- one month ago. Um, I see. So I think I, I think he it sounds it sounds like he's still at, at Longo Wyman and prop maybe still even lives in New York. <sighs> we'll have to see when the Rise and Confessions video comes out. If 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 they if they were filming in New York, then yeah, he's definitely still in New York. Yeah, I, have, I actually was going to bring that up. I wonder if, they, if that will be covered in the next uh, Rising Confessions. Oh, it absolutely. Hopefully it will. Oh, I'm pretty sure it will be in great detail. So what, what would you say overall about his uh, UFC career? Have, you, has, have either of you seen any fights of him in uh, UFC? I've seen a few fights of his, but obviously he wasn't good. wasn't that bad either. He's obvi- I mean, he was obviously 8-8 eight and eight in the octagon, but... Olka has more experience than Cape, obviously. And plus, as I did mention, albeit briefly, he was a former champion in Shuto. So maybe that'll work to Olka's advantage. But obviously, Cape fought more in Ryzen, especially more recently. So I think Cape is going to win this one just as long as he doesn't play to Olka's strengths, so to speak. Well, I think I feel that uh, I feel that with Cape um, that he ha- that you know he has that unpredictability factor. I think he should use that unpredictability factor um, to get him out of his comfort to get the dude out of his comfort zone. Well, you know the yeah, fight Cape again, hasn't really done what. Then again, ever since he's part of Tiger Muay Thai, if I'm not mistaken, that that mistakeability factor, that craziness factor pretty much went out the window. It's still a little bit there. It was a little bit there with the Nakamura match, but it wasn't so over the top that, like, where he was, you know, with the Kai fight, where he was dance, like literally dancing in the middle of the ring while getting punched. Yeah, and basically talking shit while losing. Yeah, exactly. Um... I, I think that I think for the most part that cape is not there anymore, or if it is, it's a it's, it, he's toned it down. He knows when the he 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 brings it out when it's necessary to bring it out. Doesn't just doesn't just showboat for the sake of showboating. And you know, exactly. 
the la that last fight against uh Nakamura, boy, he looked he looked great in that match. I I he didn't even have a full choke in. I uh, it wasn't a full rear naked in, and he still tapped him out or or put or put him to sleep. I think. Um, yeah, I think Cape wins this. I think this is a fight that that Cape could win very easily. I don't see, I don't I don't see how Sasaki, you know, other than having the height advantage, which probably means he has a reach advantage as well. I I think that Cape. Is just a, I think, is a better fighter overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can understand oh, that. Yeah, as long as Cape doesn't uh, make a careless mistake. Indeed. Uh, what do the Tapology fans say? Oh, the Tapology fans, they're basically saying that Sasaki got this one 80% out of compared to Cape getting 20%. Wow. Wow. Yeah, Wait, an overwhelming, basically Sasaki's the overwhelming favorite according to Tapology. Man, that you, you had that UFC bias. I, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm surprised that much. Real, I, I, yeah, it's either UFC bias or people who are, you know who have never seen Manel Kate before and are like, oh, Oka Sasaki, he has fights in the UFC. I'm gonna click him to win. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's so, that's, I'm, I'm surprised it's that much. Uh, what do you think, Christian? Hey, as long as Manel Cape doesn't get too, I mean, doesn't get too full of himself, I think he has to win, but I won't be surprised if Sasaki gets to win over him. I'll be surprised. Just not in the way that the topology faithful say it. I don't know. I, I don't think that's... I, I just don't see how Sasaki can win this. Other than being just taller and using that to his advantage. Uh-huh. Uh, anything else? Uh, Joseph, you want to say anything else about this fight? Um, nah, that's pretty much all I got. I see. Now, the next fight we're gonna... Now, the next fight we're going to talk about is a 143-pound catchweight bout, which obviously is going to be the, I mean, obviously this is the kid, Yama, the Noifumi Kid Yamamoto Memorial bout pitting Urson Batman Yamamoto, Kid Yamamoto's nephew, versus the guy that Kid Yamamoto made into an, made to, ah shit, what am I trying to say? The guy that Kid Yamamoto made into a four-second highlight reel, Little Hercules, Kazuyuki Miyata, who, oh, by the way, is going to be fighting in his retirement bout at Rising 14. So this is really special for more than one reason. First of all, Little Hercules, Kazuyuki Miyata, the 2000 Olympic wrestler, fighting out of Mito Ibaraki, Japan, by way of Tokyo, Japan, and Brave Jim. By 153.3 pounds, age 42, born January the 29th, 1976. He's looking to get one more fight in before he calls it a career. He is currently riding a four-fight winning streak in professional MMA, although he has not had a professional MMA bout since defeating Andy Sauer via armbar back on the second of those two Ryzen 2016 year-end events. I mean, the first of those Ryzen New Year's Eve events in 2016. 
Obviously, he is one and one in the rising ring, losing to K1 Kickboxer and not to Watanabe at the first rising show on a mixed rules bout. And of course, he's a veteran of K1 Heroes, Deep, and Dream, as well as Fighting Network Rings, the 2012 revival, not the original version. His opponents, Key Yamamoto's nephew, Erson Batman Yamamoto. 5,736 pounds, age 22, the son of Miyu Yamamoto and Arson, I mean, and Arson Suzuki, former Japanese skier, born September 8, 1996, fighting out of Yokohama, Kanagawa, Japan, and the Crazy Bee Camp. He has not fought since losing to Manel Kate back on October 15, 2017, but obviously with Kid Yamamoto passing away due to cancer a few months back. He, like his mother, are gonna I mean is gonna be coming into this fight with a heavy heart. Because it'll be his first fight since his uncle passed away. Andrew, Joseph, your thoughts on this belt? After you, Joseph. Well, he's been calling himself the bad boy. He hasn't been looking like that. Especially after, you know, Manel beat him with two hits. <laughs> And, you know, who knows, man, you know, uh, Miyata might get a good shot on him because, you know, if he get if he can get taken down by two hits to the face, I'm like, I'm wondering, do you guys think he has a, Urson got a glass jaw? Uh, I mean, I, because he looks pretty susceptible to strikes. He does. He absolutely is. I think so I'm thinking he, I, I, I think he's got a glass jaw. I mean, the fight that he had with Kizumon Saiga, where they were, where they were just uh, suplexing each other. If I don't know if you remember that match, he 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 survived some pretty hard shots from what I remember in that match. Um, but against Miyata, mm. the, uh, well, I, I don't know. You would, be, you would be right about that, Andrew, because the Tapology fan base has it ninety percent for Miyata. Huh. They want him to come out of this fight, his retirement bout, a winner. Is that they think that you think that's because they think he's a better fighter, or do they think do you think that they want him to go out on a win in his retirement fight? Pretty much both. Mm-hmm. I mean, Urson's record is basically a pattern. He loses one, then he wins one. He loses one, then he wins, then he wins one. I think in this case, yeah, the last time his last fight was that he lost one. So. I would have to assume if if his record goes by anything, he's supposed to win his next fights. Um, yeah, because uh, yeah, because the loss to Kate was like, and that was a short fight. That it ended as soon as the bell rang. Yeah. Uh that's why I'm that's why I'm thinking that I'm thinking Ursing got a glass jaw, but so he better protect his head as much as possible and try to go for the take, try to go for the takedown and go maybe for some throws. I th- even if he does, I would think that that probably he could even be submitted by Miata, more more likely than knocked out. Miata's a good submission guy. He's in, he's submitted a lot of people uh, uh, in his in the past. Uh, Christian, do you happen to know offhand anybody um, well known? He submitted. Christian? Oh, uh, no. Gary? Oh, uh, no. Don't tell me what championship got him again. Oh, great. I'm not, not going to stop using that joke. Oh, yes. Um, well, let's see. Miata, who he, he's, got, he's got noble wins over. As, as he said, his last one was against Andy Sauer for Ryzen. He beat Kyle Uno. 
uh, number of years ago. Uh, you guys are back. Are y'all talking about Miata's record or the notable opponents on Urson's record? Uh, notable opponents uh, on uh, Miata's. Um, who he's... Oh, yeah. Right, right. If you think about it, Miata, I mean, even though he did lose to Kid Yamamoto via flying, he did face some notable competitors like Ian James Chapa, Black Mamba Qatar Gill, Victor Shaolin Hibero, George Chim Hellboy Hansen, DJ Taiki Daiki Hata, Kyle Uno Shotokuno, Leon Takeshi Inoue, Takako Miyosuka Hiroyuki Takaya, and of course Andy Sauer and Luis Babun Firmino. I mean, Luis Buscape Firmino. I mean, hell. He fought at one point in time Hoyla Gracie and the Neo Samurai Genki Sudo. <laughs> so yeah, that's quite the, uh, yeah, so, you know, he, this guy hasn't been fighting, you know, uh, penny pinchers. Yeah, he, he's been fighting tough fishing just like Yamamoto has, even though the names that Yamamoto has had due to his short fighting career are slim and thin. Obviously, with Crone Gracie, Hideo Tokoro, and Manel Cape. So, yeah, I do think that Miata is going to get this fight only, only, only by finish. It sucks because you kind of want Ersan to get a win in, in remembrance of uh, Kid, but I, it's kind of like, and I know why Rise of this, you know, you know, Kid's most famous knockout was, was Miata, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's. It's kind of it's almost counterproductive if you want Arison to win it uh, against an opponent like Miata. Yeah, especially you know if uh, if Miata you know goes for any good like kicks or strikes. Like I said, man, I I still I have this feeling that Arison's got a glass jaw. Yeah, I I would have to pick Miata at this point. I re- I think Miata hey, like Gary like Gary. What do you think? Do you agree with me that Arison might be might have glass jaw? Is that what that's what the Cape fight showed me? <laughs> he's at a loss for words he cannot he does not know what to say damn you damn you Chatri or uh, Chatari, how, what, whatever his name is from one I do think you know you bring up a good point about about his uh, loss being uh, his last loss basically yeah you know getting kicked in the head and then kneed in the face I think that's how it happened um and potentially having a yeah, and, it ha- and, it ha- and it happened so fast too. Like as soon as the uh, the bell rang. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's what I'm saying. That you know, I'm thinking like you know, Urson Urson's gonna have to like protect his jaw at like all times during this fight. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, if he does, if if he if he can just go for the takedowns, he can then have a chance to win it. Um, yeah, because if you got if you're because you're if you're in an MMA fight or boxing and you got a glass jaw, you're pretty screwed. Oh, Christian! Christian, do you think that uh, that that Arison has a uh, glass jaw at this point in his career? Um, to be honest, no, because in like his sixth, no, he's only gonna be in like his sixth fight in his career going into this fight. So it's probably gonna be something exciting to see. But I really hope that if if the fight goes past the first round. If it goes past the first round, I can only hope Yamamoto knows how to do well. And protect his head. 
Yep, exactly. Now, because you know, because if you can go down from like two from two strikes to the to the, to the jaw, then you then you know that you know you're in trouble. Exactly. Now, shall we go to the next fight on the list? Hell yeah. Okay. Another fight that's probably going to have potential lightweight tournament implications. Obviously, this fight's going to be something incredible. Yusuke Yachi versus Johnny Hollywood. Johnny Case. Now, for Yusuke Yashi, the particulars on him, he is 20-7 and seven overall, fighting out of Bunkyo, Tokyo, Japan. 5'9", 154 pounds, age 28, on May 13, 1990. He is a boxer, but we all know that he's a wild fighter. I mean, obviously. He's near undefeated in Ryzen. He's... Five and one inside the rising ring. All I mean, four of his five wins come by way of finish. Three by way of knockout in some way, shape, or form. Obviously, he's bouncing back from his loss to Luis Killer Gustavo back at Rising 12. And obviously, he's a former Pacific Extreme Combat. No, he is a former competitor of Pacific Extreme Combat and Cray Shudo. And Valley Tudo Japan. His opponent, Johnny Hollywood, Johnny Case, 24-6-1. Originally from Glen no, originally from Jefferson, Iowa, USA, fighting out of the MMA lab in Glendale, Arizona, USA. 5'10, 156 pounds with a 72 and a half inch reach, age 29. Born June the 28th, 1989. He most recently fought a couple of times. No, he most recently is on a two-win and three-fight streak, going 2-0-1 this year, defeating Brandon Logano and Jose Luis Verdugo in Brasil, defeating, well, actually fighting Nathan Schulte to a draw in his only pro fighters league fight, which caused them both to miss the PFL playoffs. And in addition to that, Johnny Case is three and two in the UFC. No, wait, actually, he's four and two in the UFC. So, and oh, by the way, before we even get to who do you think is going to win this fight, I just want you to know that the Tapology fan base has it 61% for Case compared to 39% for Yusuke Yachi, despite the fact. That Yachi is the one with the most to gain from this. Thoughts? Not to you, Joseph. If I remember correctly, when you guys were doing the uh, the yacht, were covering the Yachi Gustavo fight, didn't you guys see that Yachi was like not himself during the fight? Oh yeah, or doing yes. stuff that was un- that was very unlike him. Uh-huh. I'm hoping I'm hoping that after that he learned from the Gustavo fight and. Got and got whatever that was going through, go, going down there out of, out of his head because because that looked that was pretty demoralizing the way he lost to Luis Gustavo. Well, the other thing also was that he, the, the other reason why he lost the fight, and we're going uh, to talk about the Rising Confessions video, which you can see. Uh, you can he, he talks about this uh, in the recent one. Um, I think it was uh, twenty three or twenty four. Was it Rising Confessions video? Um, yeah, maybe twenty five. I could. Um, I lost count at how no, many. No, 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 it wasn't twenty five. Twenty five was Ayaka and Kana. Oh yeah, so then it was. It had to be twenty four, I think. Then, um, 
So what happened was that that Yachi was saying that the reason why he lost his last fight was because his hair got in the way. He didn't pull back his hair, and it prevented him from seeing uh, that punch that uh, knocked him out. Uh, it was twenty-seven. Excuse. Uh, can, that be, can that be used as valid or? Well, it, it, you know, he did have absurdly. That's the thing. I was. I was when I remember I was watching that fight. I was like, why didn't he? Why, why, it's, it was like with the CM Punk fight. Why didn't you get a haircut before your fight? It's constantly going in your eyes. You should have, or at least pulled it back. And uh, just to let everybody know, it's Rising Confessions episode 27 uh, that this was on. Um, yeah, so he was definitely not himself in that fight, even with, with his hair uh, blinding him for whatever reason. Because I'm, like, I'm like, you know, why didn't you, like, you know, like, tie it or something? Yeah, he should have. Uh, it would have helped him a lot uh, in, that, in that one. Um, I'm surprised that 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 the tapology faithful is giving them giving the uh, that much uh, to a Johnny Case. Um, no, I'm not saying that Johnny think, Case is a bad fighter. Uh, do you think the do you think the tapology people are basing it off of how Yachi performed during the uh, Gustavo fight? Probably that. Either that, or they're probably mostly UFC marks. Probably it's probably both. <laughs> um, uh, what would you? How would you put? How would you say Johnny Case is, as a fighter is Christian uh, from the fights you've seen him in? Is he to be brawler? Honest, other than... Sorry, you were saying Christian, uh, or did we lose you again? Uh, damn it! Oh, we got you back, Christian. We got you back. Never mind. False alarm. We got him, and then he and then he immediately left right after. Yes. Uh, have you ever seen uh, Case fight, Joseph? Uh, no, I have not. To be honest, you know, I haven't really seen, I, like, you know, it's hard for me to even watch UFC, you know, no fight pass. Oh, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Christian, yeah, so. I get what you mean. What, what, how? For me, other than the Tokudome fight he had, I haven't really seen much or heard much about him, other than the recent fight he had in the PFL against Nathan Schulte. Which he will, well, it went to a draw, but the way that they did those draws was that the, the judges had to pick somebody, so basically... It wasn't that he lost, it was that the judges had to pick a fighter to win, and he j- they just decided not to pick him. Um, yeah, right. He has a, and he, obviously, that caused them both to be eliminated from playoff contention. He does have a you lot of... Wonder, you know, I wonder, we got a lot of PFL fighters, uh, people who had association with PFL in some way on this card. Oh, Why yeah. Might as well just make an alliance with PFL also. Yeah, you might as well. I mean, considering the fact that most of the fighters that got eliminated during the PFL tournament, so to speak, obviously need a place to go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and you also remember Jake Hewn also was in uh, PFL as well, and he found the last cards, um, the last Rising 12 card. Excuse and me, Rising 13. he got knocked out by Jerry Pohaska. Yeah. Uh, Chase has a lot of finishes on his on his record. Uh, a lot of a lot of knockouts, more than submissions. Uh, so he yeah. is a strong puncher, a strong puncher. Which I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking this fight is going to be like straight stand up. Yeah, you I know get that. Yachi, and, and you know that Yachi wants to go into like an all out, you know, uh, brawl. He couldn't really do that against Gustavo. Yeah, yeah, but he needs to watch himself though, because if he goes into a brawl with Johnny Case, he might do something that he might regret. That's true. That's absolutely true. Um, yeah. Uh, do you? So, do, what does everybody think? Do, do you think Kate? What does everybody pick? Who? Who do you pick to win this uh, matchup? 
I think uh, Yachty's gonna win, but I hope he, you know, tries not to slip up and cause himself to lose focus to the point where he ends up losing the fight. Um, I'm gonna go with Yachty as long as he has his hair tied. <laughs> I was just, I was just about to say the same thing. I was, you know, because you know, because you know, you can't use that excuse again if, if, if you're when you're again in, in, in your next fight. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, I would say Yachi with the hair pulled back, but if you know, if he's if he's the same as his last match uh, against Gusavo, then he's gonna lose. Johnny Case is going was is gonna put him to sleep. Uh-huh. And, and, and you know, you can't use that excuse again. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, is there anything else anybody wants to say about this fight? Any, or do you think it could be a match of the night contender, potentially? Uh, to be honest, no, no, but it could be a dark horse for a match of the night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now, before the big fights, obviously, atom weight contest, 108 pounds, 52 kilos, Raina Kubota versus Spicy Samantha Jean-Francois. First of all, the foreigner in this contest. Samantha Jean-Francois, age 31, born February 27, 1987, fighting out of Marseille, France, representing Furukawa Martial Arts. She is 5'4", 104.9 pounds, with a 3-5 and five record, with one no contest. The only names she has on her record are Byrony Terrell, and Sean Guele, who are both former or current UFC alums, as in Sean Guele, who is a current UFC fighter, by Renee Terrell, who is a former Ultimate Fighter competitor. She is currently 1-3 and 1-no contest in her last five, with her, lo- with her most recent loss to Alonia Rasokinia, at WWLC 11 on June 16th. And her opponent, the shoe boxing goddess Raina Kubota. 5'3", 112.4 pounds, age 27, born June 29th, 1991, fighting out of seizure Takeshi Jim in Konohana, Osaka, Japan. She is trying to bounce back from her second straight loss to Kana Asakura, therefore dropping her rising record as far as MMA goes to, let's see, one, two, three, four, yeah, four and two. She is currently four and two inside the rising ring. Now, and seeing the fact that we have teeth to the junk back, what are your thoughts about this fight? Samantha Jones, friends. Oh shit! See, I didn't even see you come back. <laughs> I just painted the whole. Yeah, Teep had to break the walls down. Yeah, I just painted a whole ceiling. I can hear you are. Huh. Awesome. F- funny. Welcome back. Yeah. So, so which one are you going through? We are going uh, through the Raina Kubota Samantha John Francois fight. And what's Francois's uh, record? Three and five with one no contest. Yeah, so building her back up, huh? Like, bring someone in who's beatable, you know, like, but might put up a... 
put a bit of a scrap and then get like liver punched. Yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, her by liver punch. I think that's a safe bet. You know, normally with pride rules, I'm not sure. I just say stomps or soccer kicks. I'm an idiot, but yeah, I think we're gonna go with the old liver punch for this. Best on has got so, a strong grappling base. She gonna get owned. So I did some research on uh on on Jean Francois. Uh, is that, is that how you pronounce the, the, is it Jean or Jean in this, it's in this case, since she's, a? I didn't, I thought that, um, in French, if it's Jean, it's, um, it's a male's name. I don't know. My French is yeah, not that. Yeah, but that's what I basically figured. I okay. Mean, I watched some. When it comes to the first names, I know if a girl is named Jean, her name is actually pronounced Jean. Uh, that's what okay. happens when you watch X Men. Jean Grey, not Jean Grey. Um, but I, I I did some research on her on her fights. Um, she is incredibly flexible. This girl is. She is. She got. Um, I'm gonna let me find that fight that I. Um, it was her fight against Svetlana Gotsik for the Wood Wo- World Warriors Fighting Championship. She got pulled put into an armbar twice from the guard. With her arm completely bent at one point. Do you remember uh, John Jones and uh, Vitor? Oh, yeah, I think we all do. Remember when when uh, Vitor put uh, bo- uh, bones in that arm bar and it was completely bent, and he actually uh, I think he dislocated his elbow during that match. Yeah. Yeah, I so Jean Francois is incredibly flexible. She also got out of uh, out of um from um. When she was on bottom and her opponent was on top, she was able to do the thing where she where she brings her entire le- or her legs over her her legs over and to basically push her opponent off off of her. Oh, that's smooth because a lot of people try that and just get folded in half. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah when I saw that, uh, when they did uh, Rising Confessions uh, episode uh, twenty five when they when they showed when they showed Samantha briefly, uh, she went into that flying armbar really fast off off the, off countering a punch. Yeah. Oh, oh. Um, There's a chance that she might be able to pull off some flying, spinning shit. The other thing is that she's all, she. This fight is at at one fifteen or one hundred four. Um, Christian. One hundred and eight pounds, meaning that if Reina Kubota wins this fight, she could possibly be the next in line for the Ryzen Super Animate World Championship that will be contended. In the first of those three big fights that will be taking place, uh, the other—I don't think even I, no, no, no. I, I have to disagree there. You know, <clears throat> she lost to Kana twice. She has no, she has no right to challenge for the Super Adam Weight uh, title, or even That's facing uh, Kana again, assuming if Kana wins. But on the other yeah, hand, she is. Yeah, but what about Ayaka Hamasaki though? <laughs> what would happen if Reina wins and then Ayaka Hamasaki wins the title? Then yeah. Well, if you remember, yeah, but there's a problem with that. In the in the in the same rights confessions, Rena said that if Ayaka won, she ain't fighting her. Oh, oh. yeah, Rena uh, even said it. Rena said it in the episode that if Ayaka won the title, she ain't challenging her. Do they compete uh, on the same fight team? Um, they're on the same team. Oh, I see. Yeah. Hey, sometimes yeah, Rena Rena is uh, Ayaka's training partner. Oh, I see. Yeah, that makes sense because. These, these athletes, a lot of them, some of them are more mercenary, but a lot of them, they don't want to throw themselves into preparing someone and te- basically teach their own tricks, their own, their own special little things. So, like, if, you know, like with uh, AJ McKee and Aaron Pico, they don't, they've been friends since they were little, little kids, like little, 
you know, extremely young. And they're not going to fight. Why would they want to? Because they, they sharpen each other like DC and Kane. And the other thing, you know, is that, you know, the one thing I'm concerned about is uh, Rena's mental state. After the two losses. Um, the other thing I also like to mention about uh, Jean-Francois. So, in, in the same fight that, um, in that same fight that I mentioned before that she had, um, by the fourth round, she was exhausted as fuck. She was breathing out of her mouth, like, like very obviously. Um, so, alright, so from what we can gather, Jean goes all out in the early portions of the rounds, but yeah, but has a very, uh, but gasses out really fast. Yes, which I'm actually surprised because I could tell she's very athletic. You know, I told, as I said, she's incredibly flexible and she's in shape. But I don't know if it's if it's a side effect of being, you know, being punched in the face. Oh, that's the other thing as well. She keeps her hands down at her chest way too often. Oh, that's gonna be a problem. Yes, it's a, she. She, if, especially against Reina, she, you need to have you need to have four four arms, two blocking your head and two blocking your liver. That's basically what's got to be. Um, how is Samantha's uh, footwork from the stuff that you've seen? Not good. Not uh, not not good enough for uh, against especially somebody like Reyna. Yeah, Ray, Ray, yeah, Reyna's going to be cutting that cutting the ring literally in half a lot. Um, and if that's the case, I think that Reyna is going to make Samantha John Francois her little poodle puppy bitch. Yeah, but but the thing yeah. is though the only way I can see the only way I can see Jean winning this match is if Rena does something careless. True, true. And like I said, after losing to Kana, after losing to Kana the second time, you know, because remember she can't take a loss, uh, Rena. Yeah, she's basically have. I mean, basically Rena has to fight clear cut. For the rest of the way, if she wants to even think about sniffing a title shot. Yeah, her fame will, you know, her local celebrity will sort of bridge part of that gap. But yeah, you can't just be losing, losing, losing. They'll bring you back, but they're not going to be like, and now for the title, you know, they like... Well, here, you know, it was funny, because Raina, it, sound, it sounded like after her last loss, she was going to not do MMA anymore. She seemed to be over over it. Yeah, well, the- you know what the ultimate irony of that is? Do you guys remember that early Rise of Confessions episode about the um, about their fight, the first time they fought in the Super Atomweight Grand Prix Finals? Do you remember when Ren is coached, the same guy who's coaching um, Ayaka Hamasaki also? Is that Rumina Sato, I think it is? I think so, yeah. Remember when they when they said, when he said to Rena that we're going to break Hanasakura's spirit and make her cry? Yes. And the ultimate huh. irony was that Kana broke Rena's spirit instead? Exactly. Yeah, if if, if if Samantha wins this, then, you know, that's that's on Reyna because... I mean, obviously it's on her, but it's because Reyna... If, if Reyna, you know, is careless or doesn't care, then she, will, she can and probably will lose. Indeed. Yeah, because I remember somebody saying online when Kana beat her for the first time that that without Kana beating Rena, that was like Rena's first loss in six years. As far as actual combat sports goes, because the last time she lost prior to that was in shoot boxing. Yeah, if I remember, was it against uh, Jessica Pena? Uh, it was against somebody yeah. who was in the U who went to the UFC at one point. Uh, let me go ahead and check. I think it was against Pena. I, um, 
It was, I think it was Juliana Pena, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. It no, was. actually, probably wasn't Juliana Pena, because obviously, Juliana Pena fought in... I don't think she is a kickboxer, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, because she lost to somebody who I think went to the UFC from shootboxing. Uh-huh. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, yeah, Jessica Pena. So if she loses this, would you think she'll just go over to a striking department where she's, like, more at home? Yeah, I think I have a feeling that if she loses here, she's probably just going to go back to shootboxing. Or, K- or like, or, is there, like, a K-1 for uh, for women fighters or no? No, there isn't. I mean, granted, it would be cool to see her fighting K-1, but obviously she's probably going to go right back to shootboxing. Oh, I see. Yeah, so I think we all but, think... That Reina's going to probably take this one, or should at least take it yeah. very easily. Yeah, I say uh, 50% chance. I'm mainly saying that mainly because of Reina's, like mental state, because she, because it's pretty much shown that she can't take a loss. And what do the tapology people say, uh, Christian? Oh, the tapology They picked Connor. <laughs> yeah, they, they picked they Connor. Connor by knockout. That's, I think that's, <laughs> no, that's a safe man, bet. No, it comes down to the Reina Kupolta fight. They're picking her 94%, overwhelmingly 94%, to Samantha Jean-Francois and her 6%. Man, they're hoping that uh, Rena doesn't lose to this job, to this enhancement talent. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's what it is. People are just assuming that if they know anything, they know that they're trying to give her a win. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you know, know, we got to heat her back up. You know, we got to heat up Team Rena, too, because... we got to heat up King Reina, too, because she's cold as uh, ice after those two losses. Yeah, I think she, I think she might be better fighting enormous women, where her speed and grappling, she can move, she's a little more nimble, you know? Then maybe that's the yeah. move, like, I don't know, Gabby Garcia? I'd like to see that. Yeah, but King in that Reina, case, I, I know that King Reina is, uh, I remember when, uh, I, I think it was when Cindy Dandois was talking to you or to somebody else, but Cindy Dandois did say that, uh, that you know that you know King Reina will, will probably need like maybe a few tune-up fights before facing her again. Yo, no, Cindy, Cindy said that. And King Reina's obsessed with wanting Cindy Dandwa again. Well, Cindy, she's campaigning to get on the February one of the two February cards, the doubleheader weekend of Mohegan Sun, and uh, she's beefing with I forget the young lady's name. I think maybe someone from Invicta, but but they're both like. Oh and, yes, yeah, the, the one forty five are from Invicta, right? Um, I'm forgetting her name. No, no, not Sarah Kaufman. Um, fuck, I'm forgetting her name. Uh, but there, it was, you know, it was like some yeah, Instagram they shit. Both, they both, they both tagging like, you know, the whole Bellator crew and trying to make that happen on that card, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Because the more, you know what I mean? Yeah, and then you know the uh, then when King Reina fought Caitlyn Young, Caitlyn Young pretty much destroyed her spirit. Yeah. That she did. Yeah, it's tough. It's it's funny how the different styles and sizes match up. Where you can look, certain athletes can look so good against one style or size or speed or mindset, and then just get wiped out. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's how it goes. We don't. Get, we only get to speculate. We don't really get to see everyone fight everyone. It's a lot like boxing. Like the guy, we see the people at the top of the pyramid in the middle, but sometimes you just have to wonder. Yeah, I'm just hoping that you know, like you know, Rena can win this fight and bounce back. You know, I'm hoping that the next time, you know, Ryzen books King Reina, that she's able to learn from her mistakes and bounce back. 
Yeah, these they, they Oh, and uh, T, I think I know exactly who you're talking about that Cindy Dandois is feuding with. Have uh, you ever heard of Jesse Melee? Maybe that is it, yeah. I'm not sure. I can't even make, blame the pain fumes either. There's no fumes. <laughs> no, I'm not yeah. sure. So I, I retweeted. I saw it on Twitter. They were both down for that one because um, the the other young lady, she's she's like, I, you know, I'm the draw here. And also Nick Newell, he's trying to get on that card, one of those cards. So there's a lot yeah, of people. I really, That's I really hope he does. I really hope he does because he really is deserving of a major fight deal since the UFC won't give a damn. What a warrior mindset. Well, it needs the right matchups. That's something Coker and, and the team, whoever their booking team are, that they're expert at that. So, you know, I hope he gets in because I'd love to see him live, man. That guy's got, he's a warrior spirit right there. Mm-hmm. I hope yeah, they absolutely but... Oh, and you mentioned earlier the one guy, uh, Scoggins, was the, the, he came from trouser kickboxing. Well, that's MVP. He came from that. And Daly's more of a, you know, the other kind of kickboxing with the low kicks and everything. So that's part of their rivalry, their overarching rivalry. It's not just they don't like each other or they're both English. It's they come from two different sort of rule sets. Whereas MVP, it's like one strike with power maybe, but in certain formats. But like, And then Daly's more like, I kick your legs. So I can't wait for right, that. Right, right. I'm going to shut myself hoarse. That fight. But still, when it comes down to the Reina Samantha John Francois fight, we're all in agreement that Reina is gonna make this girl feel like a jobber, right? <clears throat> yeah, I'm sure they scouted the young lady and be like, "It's perfect. Get her back in it's there. Per- get her back in yeah. the column." They do it in boxing. There's no shame in it. You know, you get a tune-up fight or two, which is a beatable opponent, a little bit of a test, but nothing. You know, I think there's a lot yeah. of shame about MMA, but that's just because it's not as well worked out. You see, Coker yeah, is signed... fighting the uh, yeah, Rena fighting the the Vernon Tiger White. <laughs> <laughs> right, because there's like a like for, there's a lot of guys in Bellator come from a strong amateur background, but like uh, Taiwan Claxton, who had the awesome flying knee debut at Penn State. He you know he had like seven. He was seven and zero as an amateur, and then he came over, and now he's four and zero. And they bring him up the right way, you know. So people criticize it, but that's how you build someone's skill set. You give them the right test and they do it shamelessly in boxing and MMA needs that too. Fans just kind of have to chill a little bit and realize it takes time. You know, you go back to the strike force days, they were like, Woodley, oh, he hasn't fought anyone and stuff, but he came up, he came up, and now he's the number one guy. He's the man. That didn't happen by accident. You bring him the right matchups. AJ McKee's another example. Pico. The right, get the right blend in there. Especially McKee. He should be getting a title shot. I won't, I won't derail to Bellator too much, but he should be fighting Pitbull, I think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, speaking of the right matchups, speaking of the right style, I mean, styles make the right fights, obviously the first of our three big bouts when it comes down to this Rising 14 card is going to be pretty much incredible. For the Rising Women's Super Animate World Championship, Kana Asakura, Versus former Invicta Animate Champion Ayaka Hamasaki. First of all, Kana Asakura, who fights out of Kashiwa Chiba, Japan, and Paresta Matsudo. 5'2", 104.9 pounds. Did we lose you, Christian? Did one get you? (laughs) One championship was doing the the rising anti-block. Yeah, that's right. They get their people on it. 
I love it though. I hope they do lots of show. I, I like the overlap. It forces them to innovate. Like I don't know if you guys I, I, remember. I, I, no, I don't mean that as offense. I'm just trying to be funny. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. I'm just. I'm, I'm a dipshit. Don't mind me. But like when. <laughs> Hi, right, Christian. Welcome hello. back. Hello, hello. Yeah, I'm still here, you guys. <laughs> That's what's up. We might as well go ahead and finish this out strong. Let's do it. Let's do it. So yeah, the first of our big fights for the Rising Women to crown the first ever Rising Women Super Animal World Champion, Kala Asakura versus Ayaka Hamasaki. First of all. Asakura, the 2017 Rising Super Animate Grand Prix winner from Kashiwa, Chiba, Japan, and Parasta Matsudo. 5'204.9 pounds, age 21, born October 12, 1997. She is riding a rising record of, let's see, 1 and 2, and, no, wait, 1 and, shit, 1 and 2. Three and two, six, no wait, yeah, six and one actually. She is six and one inside the Rising Fighting Federation, and obviously one of her two bouts that she lost was against current UFC competitor and pro wrestler, mixed martial artist, idol singer, Shuri Kondo. Mm. Her opponent, Ayaka Hamasaki, who fights out of the Abe Ane Combat Club. 5115.7 pounds, age 36, born March 31st, 1982, fighting out of Ulta City, Tokyo, Japan, by way of so by way of Sanyudo ah damn it. San Yono Yamaguchi, Japan. I'm sorry if I'm I'm sorry if I mess up the names of Japanese towns. I mean I do understand Japanese, but I don't speak it all that well. Don't feel too bad. I can't even speak English. I understand. <laughs> but still, Hamasaki is 2-0 and inside the Rising Ring, and obviously, coming from her Invicta career, where she had a pretty good record, she is looking to make a name for herself to be one of the top women's anime contenders in Japan. Oh, and uh, by the way, before I even finish off with this, obviously the Tapology fan base has Asakura winning this fight, 77% to 23%. So you guys, I gotta, I mean, first of all, Joseph, I gotta get your thoughts about this. You say that they're both like descendants of Magui Fuji, right? Yeah, they have the uh, the Megumi Fuji connection is very heavy. You know, it's even shown even in the uh, Rise of Confessions uh, twenty five. Remember that when Kana was doing the Super Atomweight Grand Prix, she went to Megumi Fuji for for training. Ayaka had Ayaka was with Megumi Fuji, I believe, from the very beginning, beginning of her career. Interesting. I see. And, uh, Teep, do you find any interest when it comes down to this fight? I'm going to definitely be interested. I don't have enough, you know, like, my, my knowledge starts at heavyweight and goes on down. But I think, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. It's one of the choice fights. I just like it. Just, it's always going to be lively at that weight. Like, I like the unpredictability, unpredictability of the heavyweights. But, uh, I'm feeling it all. I'm feeling this whole card. I'm going to be so tripping from sleep deprivation. It's going to be crazy. 
Yeah, Kana is like the uh, the ultimate like underdog in terms of rising. She's only lost once, and now it's to uh, Melissa Garcia. Mm. Uh huh. So, what do you guys think? What are your picks here? Who do you think's got this? Well, also the other question I have: Do you think that that next year uh, we see uh, Kana Azakura going to UFC because she did sign with Invicta, and you know that's basically when you sign with Invicta, that's your way of kind of trying to get into the UFC. Do we see uh, Kana uh, going saying bye bye to Ryzen? That ain't gonna happen because I don't think that Kana can hang with the women's strawweight competitors. Obviously, she has a better chance of staying at animate because that's her core weight class. But I don't think that she can hang with the strawweights. Just like I don't think that Kanako Murata can hang with some of the strawweights on the Invicta roster or some of the flyweights on the Invicta roster, mind you. So, so who you got in that? Oh, for me? Yeah, I, mean, I, I mean, I got Ostakura winning this fight. Even though it's going to probably be a war when it comes down to how this fight plays out. Actually, here's yeah, the... It's going to be a battle of who's going to go for the takedown first. And who's either going to be going for a ground and pound or submission. I feel like Kana has some advantage on the ground because she's very slippery on the ground. You can't, it's hard to keep her pressed down. Right, right. I think that I, you know, I I'm going to be the odd man out. I think that Hamasaki is the better fighter overall. I think in terms of experience and just I know what Hamasaki can do against opponents when she, when she gets them down to the ground. If she gets them down to the ground, even when not even standing up, she can still knock them knock them out. I don't know if Kana has that power behind her to do that. Hamasaki uh-huh. though, she has knocked out a few of her opponents. Um. Uh, I think more at atom weight than at um, straw weight, uh, but Christian, you can you can correct me on that one because um, I think how many how many weight classes has has Hamazaki fought at? She's fought at, at least three, I think. Actually, I think she's fought in two: atom weight and straw weight. Oh, okay. I thought she also fought one one match in flyweight at some point. Yeah, let's also not forget that Ayako left Invicta to come to Ryzen. Mm-hmm. Willingly. Um, yeah, I think, I think that, uh, I think that... Remember that Ayaka dropped the title and from Invicta and went to Ryzen. Yeah. Uh-huh. And just look at, uh, Hamasaki's record. Look at all those finishes. Uh, most recent, the one against Jin Yu Frey, uh, in Invicta, Doctor Stoppage. That's very rare to see in, uh, Adam Weight fights. Uh... And it's crazy now because Jin Yu Frey is the current Invicta Adam Weight champion, but... I mean, obviously, if it wasn't for Ayaka Hamasaki putting her over, beating her, she wouldn't be in that position. And her, own, her yeah, only two, two losses have been at, at flyweight. I'm not, not flyweight, excuse me, straw, uh, at, uh, feather, straw weight, straw, 15 pounds. That's it, yeah, thank you. Uh, straw weight. So she's never lost in this weight division ever at atom weight. Uh, that's what's up, well, and what's the other person? She's defeated uh, Emi Fujino, Mei Yamaguchi, uh, Seo Ham. She's defeated twice. Uh, and now Seo Ham is the current Road FC and weight champion. So who knows if Kana Asakura wins this bout? Here's I mean, the <laughs> could be a chance we can see her. I mean, we can see those two, Seo Ham and Kana Asakura. I mean, 
there could be a chance we could see Ayaka Hamasaki versus Yohi Ham again. Also, if you want to do some MMA math, Alyssa Garcia beat uh, Kana Zakura. Kana uh, uh, Hamasaki beat Alyssa Garcia. Mm. Oh, that would be crazy if Ayaka, I mean, if Alyssa Garcia would get a future title shot. But well, she needs a few more wins. She would have to. But Alyssa, yeah, Alyssa would have to win a few fights and maybe oh, yeah. even beat um, Ayaka or Rena even to qualify for a title shot. I'm just saying that the yeah. if you want if you want to follow MMA math, you know Garcia beats uh, Azakura, but Hamazaki beats Garcia. Therefore, by MMA math um, stipulations, Hamazaki has to beat Azakura. If you want to look yeah, at that, this fight is important just for the super atomweight title. This is to decide who's going to be the face of the of the atomweight division of the women's atomweight division. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I think a lot of people. I don't know why they point to like Hamazaki's age as being like a, a bad factor. That's never been a factor for her at all. She's always been athletic and she's always been healthy. Like, nothing has ever yeah. told me that like oh she, you know age is cap- ca- catching up to her. I don't see why that is. Saki Ibarra has said in uh, when Kana won the Super Atomweight Grand Prix that you know if Kana's going to be the face of the Atom of uh, the Super Atomweight division, she's going to have to you know step up. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. So um, this is going to be. This is actually going to be like you know for real. This is like you know the the, the tests of tests. You know what I mean? You're going to have to earn the right to be you know the face of the Super Atomweight division and be its first champion. Absolutely. What does the tapology people say, Christian? Uh, like I stated before, the tapology people are basically saying that it's going to be 77% Kana Asakura getting the victory over Ayaka Hamasaki. Mm, I, they're selling Hamasaki short, I think. I think Hamasaki uh, is like, going to finish. Like, cha- like, like, to me, it's a 50-50. My heart says Kana, because, you know, Kana won me over during the tournament. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, on the street that she's been going, she, you know, she's been able to, you know... You know, somehow pull out the win against like all odds. So I'm hoping that she had like you know like you know the time that she spent training in the in the states with you know with the women from Invicta and UFC that maybe she might have learned a trick or two. Mm-hmm. The problem is though is Ayaka's coach is the same guy who trains Rena, and the dude said in that confessions episode that they're going to try to come up with a game plan to take out. So Rana. so I, I'm, I'm so it, it would um. Fuji, Megumi Fuji, who's she gonna be? Um, who's she gonna be in? Uh, which corner is she gonna be in? I have no idea. I don't even know if she will even be in the building. Maybe, maybe to avoid, maybe trying to choose a side. Maybe. What do you think, uh, Christian? I mean, if anything, I don't think she's gonna pick a corner. She's probably gonna be sitting right in a front row seat on her. I mean, on pins and needles. You know, just even seeing the fight. You don't think she'll pull a Vinny Maga, Ma, Ma, whatever his last name is, uh, Maga Hayes, and uh, uh, not gonna betray uh, his uh, the her uh, teammates. Well, well, remember he did that for a UFC fight. He said he wasn't gonna fight on. Uh, he was he like went on the other team's uh, corner, even though he said he wasn't he was gonna corner one yeah, of. Yeah, I think I remember that. A lot of shit was basically being slung with that. Uh, but then, okay, so let's say if, uh, Hamazaki, uh, uh, wins this, who would you put up, would you put up her against, well, Reina said she wasn't gonna fight her, so let's, let's, let's go with that. Who do you then put, I would ha- put her up against C.O.E. Ham in a champion versus champion match. Well, assuming they can make a deal, make, get, make a deal like that with Road FC. 
Well, I mean, if they did it with, if they managed it with Bellator, you know, they could do a similar thing, have a rematch clause. You only have the Ryzen belt at stake, but you have an agreement where you would they would send them over. And, I mean, they can work it out. It's, it seems like that's what things are starting to move towards, a little more cooperation between promotions. Maybe, yep. uh, what about, um, how about some of the people who are in the, uh, the Super Atomway tournament? Well, the only one who I could think of, maybe, you know, depending on how this, how this fight goes, would be Miyu. What do you think about that, or is that too early to uh, give her a title shot? Too early. Too early. And that's assuming if she wins her fight. Yeah. Um... Like, maybe, maybe against, um, how about against, uh, Irene Cabello? She was, you know, um, like third, like technically third place in the Super Adam Way Grand Prix. Well, yeah. if she's not completely tied up with Combate Americas, I could see that happening. Or like, maybe like Marie Oliveira, maybe? Yeah, probably. Uh, assuming, assuming she's, st- assuming she's still available. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, you know, since they got the Bellator, does Bellator have, uh, they, uh, Adam Waits? No, they don't. no, no. as low as they go, that I'm aware of. Do you well? Well, if Connell wins, um, what? About, I mean, I know that she, she should get a few wins, but I still think that Alyssa Garcia still has a, still has you know she beat Kana at one point. I think she's still deserving of a championship shot. Yeah, I, I, for Alyssa, I would agree with you. <clears throat> My only thing is, I would want Alyssa to win at least the one match. Like one match in Ryzen before facing Kana for the title. Okay, yeah, I can understand. That. I think you know that's. I think that's fairly reasonable because remember she lost her last fight in Ryzen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Andy Nguyen lost her last fight and it was against Miyu. Um, what about um? Maybe somebody from uh, Deep Jewels, maybe because you know some people in Deep Jewels were begging Saki Ibarra to be on this card. Anybody uh-huh. from Deep Jewels that you know of? Um. Um, Christian? To be honest, not in the strawweight division. I mean, not in the animeweight or strawweight divisions. But I would love to see some competitors from Deep Jewels come out the woodwork and say they want a title shot. Mm, well, they wouldn't put it past you if they would do a storyline with Ayaka and Ren as coach. Like, he would find the Adamweight the train to take out Kana. <laughs> if Kana won the belt. And they could do this saga. And he's like, I'm going to get you. Next time, Connor, I'll find the perfect Adam Wheat to defeat you. Here's the other question I have: What do you think about Ryzen actually having belts now? Because that used to be a that was a big question. Are they ever going to have belts, or just going to do Grand Prix? And well, I think uh, I think maybe, maybe having the Bantamweight uh, title and the uh, and the Super Adamweight title maybe is a test run. Yeah, I'd love to and see. Them. This is, and, and this is two belts. This isn't like oh, we're going to have. Remember, we we don't have a heavy we don't have a proper heavyweight division, so we don't we don't have to worry about a heavyweight belt. You know, we don't have a lot of people in the other division, so we don't have to worry about belts. Like they have more people in the bantamweight and the super atomweight side of things. Mm-hmm. So I th- so it's pretty manageable, and it's not like Kana fights for a deep jewel so she mainly fights for Ryzen most of the time. Mm-hmm. 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 And the same and the same with Horaguchi. Has Horaguchi fought for any other promotion since being with Ryzen? Nope. No, no, he's the, he locked up with them. <clears throat> yeah, so, you know, they're pretty locked up, so they're protected. I just, you know, I hope that nothing happens with these, these belts get put in uh, in the uh, limbo world of uh, people not defending Into them. Titles. Yes. 
So what they what from what Mr. Coker said they're gonna there's like a rematch clause, but then basically if Calder Wills wins the belt, he's gonna send him over at least once a year to defend it in Ryzen. And if later on Haraguchi wins the Bellator belt, he'll come over at least once a year. That's their understanding. Nice. Which is pretty cool. They can do stuff in between. Bantamweight is thin in, in Bellator. That's a great segue into the main event since we're all in agreement that Sakura's <clears throat> probably going to win this fight, right? Not me. Um, okay. In my heart, like, people, I think it's, your mind says Ayaka, but your heart says I understand, dude. <laughs> but now we can all go ahead and go on to the co-main event of the evening for the Ryzen Bantamweight championship of the world to crown the first rising bantamweight champion of the world the gooch kyochi horiguchi versus the wolf darian caldwell now first off the former ufc flyweight title challenger and 2017 rising bantamweight tournament winner horiguchi 5'4, 133.9 pounds with a 66 inch reach age 28 Born October 12, 1990 in Takasaki, Unuma, Japan, fighting out of the legendary American top team camping Coconut Creek, Florida, USA. He is riding a seven-fight MMA win streak in Ryzen, ten-fight winning streak overall dating back to his final three fights of his eight-and-one UFC deal. Well, seven-and-one, actually. But still... Almost all of his fights. Oh no! Oh good. Been via finish, most of which, you know, I mean, obviously that one blemish he had was at Rising Thirteen, losing to Tenshin Nasukawa via unanimous decision, which was his first combat sports loss since the loss to Demetrius Johnson at the last What's second. Well. Gary, to be fair, that was, um, I don't, I think the kickboxing one is a separate record. Yeah, I know, I know. But it was his first combat sports loss since the Demetrius Johnson fight. Let's was be that, real. Was that his first, was that his kickboxing debut? His pro debut? Yep. Yep. Yeah, 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 that was yeah, his yeah. kickboxing debut. What a madman. <laughs> hey, who do you want to debut against? I'll just go do, I'll go have a good fight with Tenshin, not Su fucking Kawa. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That is crazy, but he's fast, and he has the karate to, to do it. He has the right style. You know, you get someone who's more lumbering, they're just going to get destroyed in there of a yeah, comparable was, size. Yeah, it was pretty much, you know, his karate style versus uh, Tenshin's uh, Kyokushin karate in that fight. Mm-hmm. And speaking of people who are more towering and lumbering, obviously Horiguchi's going to have to deal with a six-inch height advantage when he faces off against Caldwell. The particulars on him. 12 and 1 with one no contest. 510, 145.2 pounds with a 74 inch reach. So, yeah, Caldwell is 6 inches taller. Age 31, born December 19, 1987, in Rahway, New Jersey. A graduate of North Carolina State University and fighting out of Alliance MMA in Chula Vista, California. Ever since starting 3-0 in the Legacy Fighting Championship, shout out to Nick Maynard. <laughs> anyway, starting 3-0 in the Legacy Fighting Championship, he has gone 9-1-1. and Nine wins, one loss, one no contest ever since. 
in addition, in addition to defeating Eduardo Dudatas for the Bellator Bantamweight title back on October 6, 2017, and defeating Littler Pitbull Leandro Higa, I mean Leandro Higo, in his only title defense before moving up in weight to defeat Noad Neil Lahat. Now, if I remember correctly, Darian Caldwell said in the Rising Confessions video that he is a featherweight fighting as a bantamweight. Koyaguchi is a flyweight moving up as a bantamweight. Obviously, Caldwell's going to have the height and weight advantage, but Koyaguchi's going to have the experience advantage. Now, T, I know you said something about the fight earlier, but what about this fight, knowing what we know now? Um, stylistically, you have Calco, just a fantastic. But are we just little sheeps? What's that? The gremlins have invaded the mic again. Someone's, I don't know what that is. But, Teep, can you please continue? Yeah, if you guys can hear me. All right, so, stylistically, you have a, a national champ, a wrestler, who's pushed all of them. Joe, are you driving for a tunnel or something? <laughs> no, uh, no. How am I driving if I'm in... An apartment. I had to, like, move to another area. Hold on, let me see if I can try to move around here real quick. Because, unfortunately, uh, no matter where I go, there is going to be static wherever I go. That's not going to go away, unfortunately. Okay, that's better. I understand. All right, so anyway, so we got, stylistically, we've got, like, the karate badass, the little guy, the little warrior, and then with the great experience, but then this phenomenal national champion-level Division One wrestler. Who is huge? I mean, he when he fought uh, Lahat at featherweight, he didn't look small. He's five ten. He's taller than a lot. He's probably got a longer reach than most of the featherweights. Like he's a big boy. He's not, you know, maybe not lightweight big, but for featherweight, he's not small. He's not undersized there. So, at bantamweight, as long as he can make the weight safely, this is a bad, a bad dude right here. But I do think just the way the fight plays out in the ring, being larger, that wouldn't be the first guy that. Gucci was larger than him. And people to make it work just because with the angles and things and the and ring craftsmanship, whatever that might mean. <laughs> so I think I think this is actually a tough fight to like debut in, in, in Pride Rules against Gucci. Yeah, but if you think about it, Caldwell has an eight inch reach advantage and a six inch height advantage, in addition to you know coming down from that featherweight fight he had with Lahat, I mean, he obviously is going to come in as the heavier guy on fight night. So, you know. Uh, uh, Teep, can you talk about Caldwell's only loss? Um, how did he win, lose that fight? And was, like, what would, just tell us about, like, his one, the, his one loss that he had on his record. I think he oh, lost. no. It's not the Joe Tomangelo fight. Well, I think, if I'm not mistaken, don't call me on this, because uh, I don't have anything in front of me, but I think... Tamanglo missed weight, and then they didn't catch it. He might have won one by UD, but I don't know. I, I don't. I don't actually remember. He had his own loss. Long story short, he lost, but 
know, he's not invincible. He's a big guy, but he's not invincible. He's not like it's not like he's destroyed everyone's fun. Uh, tournament, he was a fierce. Sorry, Teep, you're breaking up. It ain't me. No, Teep, you're no, it was Teep. I think. Breaking up. Yeah. Yep, we can hear you much better. Okay. Signal. Man, signal's really bad today. Yeah, that's tough. Maybe it's raining. Yes, maybe that's. I don't know. Yeah, so I, I feel like Gucci might. I would favor him slightly. I don't really know. It, it all depends how the speed lines up compared to the size. You know, the one guy with the size power wrestling. The other guy's got the strikes, the speed, and the angles. It's great. It's not just a clash. Uh, you think we might see, like, a history repeat, like when Horaguchi beat um, Ian McCall and, like, with one hit? Oh, that was great, wasn't it? <laughs> I don't actually know. I don't think so, because Calwell is a... Uh, not saying anything bad about McCall, but Calwell's, like, um, he's, he's young, like, fight years young, and he's extremely hungry, good chin, and... I don't think it's going to go down like that. I think they're going to go, maybe maybe it only goes around, uh, is it three by five? Yeah. No yeah, ten minutes. Huh? It's either three by five or one ten minute round, the rest are two five minute rounds or something. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting fight. And I'm, I'm also like overjoyed that Coca managed to work it out to where we can see the reverse of that because the difference between Pride and Unified Rules very few people kind of highlight that to the point where even where like Joe Warren was calling that King Mo fight with Krokop talking about winning rounds when they don't judge rounds. You know, he's like, oh, the takedown, he got this round. It's like, if he doesn't do any damage, he actually doesn't. He ate a giant body kick. You know, they're not judging for aesthetics. They're like, how close did you come to jacking this guy up? So, and you know what? And you know what? Going off topic a little bit, I really hope that Joe Warren never counterates another fucking rising card again. He Andrew Cordero. Uh, when they did uh, when they did the Reddit AMA, uh, the fans there made certain to let whoever was running the Ryzen account know that thank you very much. No more Joe on the on the mic. Although I think people might enjoy seeing him fight still, but not on the mic. It was he wasn't good. Indeed. What about the uh, Teep? What about Darian Caldwell's wrestling background? Uh, will that be his biggest strength in this fight? Do you think? I think his size is is his biggest natural strength. He's a, he is a lot bigger. In all his dimensions, a bigger frame. So the technique, even if he has worse technique, he has more natural size and strength to to apply it. But yeah, I mean, his lesson right after that. With that. So, um, how do you think Horiguchi should um, go uh, like um, pro- pro- progress through this fight? Do you think he should like be, take the slow, methodical pace, or uh, maybe try to tire him out by moving around the ring? Because you know, fighting in the ring and fighting in the cage is a complete are two completely different thing, things. I honestly think looking at some of Gucci's fights over there, his best bet might be to to sort of draw Caldwell into the corner on the outside and then dance around, you know, and then have him trapped in the corner because that's not an environment he's used to. It's different than the cage. 
there's a lot of different things going on. You can't, you maybe can't, they maybe can't rely on leaning backwards as much if they're not actually against the turnbuckle. And I think he can take him out of his element and make it hard for him because his speed is going to be, I would assume he'd have a speed advantage. But also, one thing that Gucci also does is he lets his hands go down to let his opponent, basically, to like bring his opponent in. He brings him down because he thinks, because the opponent thinks, oh, I can get him now and then Gucci will give an incredible left hook or jab out of nowhere. And yeah, the he hit McCall with was just, yeah. it was just poetry. Yeah, if you watch, I don't know if you saw Robin Black's um, breakdown of it, Gucci did exactly that. He put his hands down to let Ian McCall come in and think, oh, okay, he's got his hands down, I'm going to go in. McCall, you know, he, du- he uh, I don't think he sidestepped or he ducked the uh, punch that McCall put, uh, tried to put through, and then, yeah, he got him with that, with that hook and knocked him out. Spun his shoulders out and used it for torque. If I'm remembering, every time I watch Ryzen, I'm usually either drunk or I'm tired. So, <laughs> go back. You know, I like to a little to watch it and uh, staying up all night. You know, it's like, like some like with when Krokop won the 2016 Grand Prix, I was crying. Like he was crying on his coach's shoulder. Labanner's in the crowd crying. I'm crying, and I was just like, this is the greatest thing ever. You know, what a ten years later, another MMA Grand Prix. You just I felt like when he won that, especially against Alec Bari, who's no joke and I think still undefeated, other than that fight, you know, that pushed him up the list of all-time great heavyweight that had that longevity. Yeah, it's a shame that Alec Bari uh, left Ryzen, though. Yeah, he went to ACB, so I don't know what's... I guess they're merged with the other one. I forget what it's called. I they, think uh, I already mentioned this. Akma, I mean, Absolute Championship where Coot have... Joint forces with World Fighting Championship Akmat to form Absolute Championship Akmat, and I think that was a few weeks ago, if I'm not mistaken. Wasn't that because of some crazy like screw job thing with the promoter? I think their promoter got arrested for embezzlement. Their oligarch backer, and then saw a different oligarch backer of the other company. Basically, just bought them. They called it a merger, but that's what I've seen on Twitter. Like basically, the other oligarch just kind of like absorbed them because they didn't. They didn't have their money behind them. Got to have money yeah. behind. Them. Yeah, and then there was all this stuff about, oh, we're going to be bigger than the UFC. We're going to be bigger than Rising. We're going to be bigger than Bellator. Right, and they were like, you know, they had their own angle. Everyone has their own angle. Like, KFL has a tournament, you know, with a big prize. I'm not sure about the regular purses, but, um, you know, they had their angle. They were just like, just fights. You know, they were like, basically, you know, we're going to give a, a finish bonus and we're going to have just exciting fights, no frills. But of course, fans really like frills. And so that was probably pretty hard. But although that wasn't the cause of their so-called, you know, not demise, but that wasn't the cause of them going out. But they may not have had as much traction because people like spectacle. KSW, when they did the Coliseum show, that was incredible. The energy, it was like um, very few MMA events have that big of a feel. It was like an Anthony Joshua fight. Not quite on that scale, but close, within, a you know, 20,000. So then after, I'll just to go back to this fight, after this fight, so obviously, you know, like uh, Teep, you said, there's, there, there will be a rematch uh, in Bellator no matter what happens. That's, that's my understanding, right? That's the understanding. There's a rematch clause in the, in the contract. I don't know if it's immediate or if they would wait because uh, Ricky Bandeas is fighting Juan Arculeta. And Bandeas is the 11-1 super prospect who just from New Jersey who just knocked out James Gallagher. And Arculeta just won something like 16 fights in a row. He hasn't lost in forever. He's 21 and 1. 
Yeah, I'm still here. I'm still here. Somebody watching TV in the background? Is somebody wa I'm hearing some someone's television in the background. Yeah, I'm in the kitchen. There's nowhere else I can really go. Okay. Um, I've been outside freezing my something. <laughs> so else. then I so let's just assume that this is not that there's no media rematch, but there will be one down the line. Uh, let's say uh, Horiguchi wins. Who would you then put him up against as the next opponent uh, in Ryzen? Man, I love that fight with Cape. If I'm thinking of the right one, that was a good fight. It was, it, I mean, one guy won clearly, but like if Cape wins his fight, I wouldn't mind seeing them scrap again. Cape is intensely entertaining. He's brash, but he, he can fight too, and he's got a um, varied skill set and, and, um, and just a kind of a dynamic personality. I like those kind of things. You have the humble guy on one side, you have the boisterous guy, like, a, like mini Fedor versus Chael. <laughs> yeah, but if you think about it, if Van L. Cape ends up getting a title shot and eventually winning, he could become the African version of Conor McGregor. Isn't he Portuguese? Yeah, he has, well, uh, yeah, but yeah, but it's best not to assume. We, but, but you know, Cape's gonna have to win his fight first. Yeah, we're gonna put yeah, that. Yeah, that is true. Okay. As far but, as this fight, as far as this fight's concerned. I think it's going to be an incredible showcase of just two competitors just willing to go balls to the wall just to put on a good fight. But if Gucci doesn't win this fight via finish, I would have to think that Caldwell will win this fight via decision. But he'll be able to impose his size and his wrestling game to like... Although I, I am interested in... like uh, There was a famous quote from Nick Diaz where he was talking about the space that someone has to create to posture up, you know, under the rules, the pride rules, is the same mm -hmm. space he's trying to create to get back up. And that's what part of what he was mad about getting humped is he's like, well, if you had to posture up, I could get up. I could use that space and get up. So I'm thinking, you know, it could be something like a King Mo Krokop thing where he gets him down, but he's not doing it. He's not posturing up to prevent him from exploding up. But because of that, he gets stood up. And that's dangerous. You don't necessarily want to stand. Here's the other thing that Caldwell's got to worry about. You know, you don't have to worry about this in Bellator, but if he tries to go for a takedown, Horiguchi can easily just knee him as he goes for that takedown. He has to be... and, knees, and, and knees are one and knees to the head are one hundred percent legal. So he has to be he he doesn't have to worry about walking knees in Bellator and pro probably not as much. But coming here, you know, I, I hope that he's that he definitely works on, you know, Horiguchi potentially going for a knee when he goes for a takedown. I hope, he also, I, hope he, I, hope, I hope he also trained to defend against um, soccer kicks and head stomps. Yeah, and also, also like, just stomps in general, just sort of, especially in the corner, because Gucci is not afraid to use those, and he's, he's, he has all the tools, he has a real killer instinct, and he may be a little guy, but he, his heart is huge, so. I think also, are elbows allowed in this fight? I don't think so. They both have to agree for elbows to be legal, and I'm assuming Harguchi with the size. I believe, I believe they are. Let me double check on that. I know the Ryzen press release uh, made clear on that. I'd, I'll double check on that. Uh, uh, I'd be surprised by that, but um, may not be fight changing. You still have to posture up, but uh, yeah, I think it's tough jumping into in the in the pride rules. The same thing going into the cage, where you see guys going to the cage and suddenly they can't cut off the ring. They don't have that, and when they get against the cage, they can't. You know, they can't trap someone in the corner, and they also can't uh, get their limbs back to throw strikes when they're clinching. So you see... You I'm see pretty sure, for, uh, to be fair, though, I'm pretty sure guys who have fought Judo and Pancrase, since they also use cages and rings, they use both, um, that, they can, that they know how to handle that situation. 
Yeah, I think I think for people who have the experience, yeah, in both. Like King Mo, he could go to either. Oh, okay. Never mind. I'm sorry. No elbows are allowed in this match. Yeah. Giving up a big. No, I like that because one, they don't like the blood, but uh, which is funny with the stomps and soccer kicks, but. It's also the size, you know, when you get elbows, when you can get someone down, even if you get stood up after 20 seconds, if you can land three or four hard elbows, cutting elbows, that's going to swerve a fight. That's going to interrupt, you know, the opponent's life. And, uh, and a high chance of a uh, uh, doctor stoppage. Just what you also yeah. know, also what you know, Reina's match, no elbows are allowed. The Yachi match, no elbows are allowed. And in the uh, uh, Tyson Nobumitsu Musayev fight, no elbows are allowed. All the other ones, elbows are allowed. Um, right, so, uh, wait, are elbows allowed for the uh, Super Adam Lee title or no? Uh, yes, yes. Ooh, I want, who do you think fav- that would favor? And I have, also, it has, I, uh, it says... I think that favor, I, I think it favors Kana. Yeah. Like, remember how vicious Kana was using the elbows on uh, Rena in the rematch? I was I was surprised by that fight when she did shoot. It, she, she committed. I was like, "Holy crap!" Because I was like, "Any minute now, liver punch, liver punch." But then she was really good. Very so you know worked well in three D space. I thought I was very I was surprised. I wasn't surprised about. So does it, so know, since elbows are not allowed in this match, does anybody else uh, think that uh, that this uh, does that change anybody's opinion or position? Um, I think Hor- if Horiguchi going to if he, if he's going to try to win by stand up he's going to have to be creative he's going to have to be what he, he's going to have to be pretty creative yeah uh, like i hope there's some like some crazy secret technique that he that he learned from his master to to, to do like for for a one blow uh, knockdown or stun i think we may end up seeing some flying spinning shit maybe not spinning stuff but flying shit flying knees and things cuz in the scramble he's very good and with the ring it's not the same. You don't have to, you know. You even for submissions, you got you can get your head over there. You know, like you can move around. You're not going to get just mushed into the right angle of the cage and the and the canvas. So I think, uh, yeah, he he should be doing some kung fu movie shit. You know, you know, like karate movie stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I think Horiguchi's. I think Horiguchi's just a faster guy. I think he's gonna he's gonna be able to blitz Caldwell unless uh, Caldwell. Just his one game plan is to try is to go for takedowns and use his strength to his advantage. Um, but if Horiguchi um, trains against those takedowns, he might uh, he might not even get taken down this match. Right, and I'm wondering if, uh, if how is uh, Caldwell on the ground when he's on bottom? I don't even know. If, has he been on bottom? I'm trying to think. Yeah, like, well, has Caldwell but, ever been uh, taken to the ground before? I don't think he has. How about has he ever been rocked before? The, can you recall any fight where he's been uh, rocked by uh, by a punch, Teep? Mm, I'd have to look it up. Like the smaller weight classes, I'm I'm like catching up now, and I've watched some of the key fights. But the the thing I'm most concerned, the higher weight classes, where I really like, I'm thinking about it a lot. You know, like probably welterweight and up. But uh, I don't know if he's because um, if I was Horiguchi, um, I would have to try to avoid getting hit by him. Yeah, because the size is something. He's got real power. He's got real GMP power, and he's and on the feet, and he's got long, long arms. It's crazy big. And also, it's important to note when he fought Tension. Remember when Tension Tension literally rocked him with that kick? Yeah, Tension's legit. I think I'm gonna pick Horiguchi. I'm putting it, I'm putting it down on paper. I think Horiguchi takes this. I, I believe so, also, but I'm ready to be wrong. I'm really excited for this. This this is one of the best things I heard all year. 
Imagine Caldwell going head stomping uh, Horiguchi. Oh God! Imagine, if, imagine yeah. if we get Caldwell versus Cape. Oh, that would be amazing. Cape is oh, so. Man, the, uh, oh man, the oh. banter at the uh, press conference. They're gonna have to make that press you conference like TV. They're gonna have to Just rate like... that. That 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 press conference is gonna be TVMA. You know what? It would be just like it would be just like Rampage Jackson said when it came down to that first Rashawn Evans fight. It's gonna be like black on black crime. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I'm that's that's definitely good. Cape's one of my favorites to watch. He just goes for it. I think it was in the Haraguchi fight too, he got wobbled and then he all did like the, the Michael Jackson like hey, hey, hey. like I I'm not even phased kind of thing. And I think then he got beat up, but Hey guys, uh, go ahead without me for one second. Okay. Oh, and uh, by the way, when it comes down to the Tapology fan base, they are picking fifty-eight percent Corey Gucci to forty-two percent for Darian Caldwell. Wow. Yeah, that's not too much of a of a of a difference. It's uh, it's almost. It's, I don't want to say it's almost fifty-fifty, but that's probably the closest. Um, in terms of all these fights, where you know it's really hard to pick a winner. I think it's, it's yeah, even. Yeah, true. Um, I think it's even harder to pick than uh, Kana versus Ama, uh, Hamazaki. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in my in my opinion, with the Tapology people, I think the uh, the super anime title match should be like more split down the middle because it could go either way. Mm-hmm. It, uh, to me, that that super anime title fight is going to be you know who has more control over the other on the ground. For the, for the Caldwell Horiguchi, I think Horiguchi's going to have to be pretty creative um, with his strikes against Caldwell and have to, like, move around the ring and, you know, make him, like, make Caldwell, like, move around to to expend energy. I agree. No, I absolutely agree, yeah. Uh, it'll, I think it'll probably be both their toughest fights in a long time. What do you think, Christian? Hey, I think it's going to be an incredible fight for both of them. It might be a tough test for both of them. Oh, I think they're both uh, tough tests for each other. Uh-huh. Um, this fight's going to be incredible regardless. Yeah. I mean, incredible regardless. 